Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Afternoon Tune. I am your host, Josh, and with me is my co-host here. It's your boy, Nick. And uh, we got Dusk uh, returning again with us. How is it going, Dusk? All right, howdy. Yes. Um, so uh, today, not too big of a show today. It really wasn't really much out. Um, so we're just going to be discussing Malignant, which was the HBO Max movie, um, same day release. So they, you know, studio put it out on HBO Max and they put it out on theaters. Um, so we're going to be discussing that. I didn't get a chance to see the card counter um, simply because I just woke up. I had a big headache uh, today and I just. Uh, I didn't feel like going to movies today, but we will be discussing the car counter with Oscar Isaac and Tiffany Haddish uh, tomorrow because we get, we're going to be doing another show tomorrow. We're going to be doing an interview with an artist uh, by the name of Ant Donovan, and so we're going to be doing that, a comic book artist so and writer, so we're going to be doing that tomorrow. So Car Counter and Kate with Mary Elizabeth Wednesday, which is the Netflix film that's out today. We're going to be reviewing that tomorrow. Um, but today, we got Malignant on the schedule. Um, and we also have What If, Episode 5, the zombie episode. We're going to be discussing that. Um, also, got some news to talk about. Uh, of course, the passing of Michael K. Williams. Um, you know, unfortunately, he passed away. Very, you know, sudden, tragic thing. You know, just you're reading the news, and then all of a sudden, you see something trending, and it's Michael K. Williams, and you hear about him. So that was very, very sad news. Um about him and everything so going to be discussing that um as well as shang uh, shang chi and it broke a box office record um so good for that movie going to be discussing that yeah, the box uh the box office there love to see it love to see it going to be discussing all that simon lu uh i can't get enough of his uh uh you know his stock, oh, stock photo i can't i can't get enough of those those are the greatest he's got like a million of those uh stock photos uh, so that's great <laughs> Uh, yeah, favorite ones where it's like photo it's like he's photoshopped at the, at the conference table with the Avengers and the capture is just so you thought Shang-Chi would flop at the box office mm. <laughs> yeah a lot, a lot of people are having a lot of fun with those uh, so yeah so that was that was pretty good so I love those photos those are pretty good I like the one where it looks like he's like in a in a salsa class or something like he's in like a Roomba class or something <laughs> like um that one's also really good i like the one where he's you know pointing at the computer that's one that's always good for memes that's a good one um so yeah uh so uh we're gonna be discussing that as well um also uh the playstation showcase happened uh i think it was yesterday um the playstation showcase happened a lot of big trailers came out for that um actually makes you excited to actually have a ps5 if you could actually get a ps5 uh, makes you excited to, to <laughs> yes, have continue yes continue flexing josh yeah you know i'm one of those people you know i was dedicated to the show so you know i needed to have it for business purposes um uh -huh. you know what i mean so um i'm, I'm that's I'm, tax write-off then yeah you know what i mean so um <laughs> yeah uh, i would have gotten it but i had circumstances that kept me from being able to afford it Ah, yes, you got the yeah got all bubbles there well bubbles you know that was a very good investment bubbles is great for the show um, you know, got a nice little mm -hmm. emoji. Yeah, we find. Yeah, we reached. Uh, yeah, we reached uh, sixty-nine followers. Nice. Yeah. So you can, you know, people, if you go and now seven. Oh yeah, seventy. Yeah, uh, this because host uh, host uh, followed us. So thanks for that. Um, don't know if that's a bot or not. Because sometimes you know, there's like a follow that happens. That's kind of like a bot kind of ish. So I don't know. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. So, yeah. So I don't oh, know. Right. Uh, but, um, yeah, but you can spam the nice little bubbles emote that we have there. Also, we got the nice little emotes made by Jen Liano, 
Um, also got Nick's hair. Um, he's not showing off the hair right now. Uh, but we got that one there. We got the Chase is a Hater emote um, as well. So we got that. That's a good one okay. that you can spam uh, if you want to be a hater like Chase is. Uh, also, Miller. Uh, Miller's in the chat. Um, I actually work with him. Um, good guy. Um, he, hey. uh, if you could all drop him a follow as well, uh, follow him, support him. Um, he streams a lot, uh, a lot of times. Uh, Dead by Daylight. I've never played Dead by Daylight. Has anybody here ever played that game? Nah, uh, I've not. No. Okay, Dusk. Yeah, it's not. It's not bad. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's um, it's it's just a game of like you got four players versus the one villain. If you ever played Friday the Thirteenth kind of game, it's mm-hmm. more a balanced version of that where you play the villain and. You want to keep keep you from getting caught, and he places you, or they place you on like a thing that kind of traps you and impales you, and while they do other things, and you don't really have a lot of weapons or abilities to kind of fight off. You got to start generators or find a way out. It, it's it's fun when you have people working together with you. It can be a lot of fun and pretty nail biting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah, great. yeah. Uh, I like seeing him stream. Uh, Mill, he's a good stream. He's pretty funny. Um, yeah, I really enjoy watching them uh, there. And when I see people play Dead by Daylight, it looks it looks pretty fun. Uh, I may play it one of these days. Dust, you, you may have to try it out one of these days. You know, playing Dead by yeah, Daylight. Yeah, we definitely should. Uh, if we can get it up to four people, that'd be great. But even with two, it'd be fine. Yeah, um, it's on console, right? It's on PS4, right? PS4. PS4. Oh yeah, it's on console. It's on Xbox, PC. It's on everything. Mm, yeah. So uh, yeah. So we'll maybe try that out one of these days. Um, so, and then, so after the news, we're going to be also getting into, uh, best of. So me and Nick, um, also came up with a best of the year so far, movies that we've seen, uh, just realizing like we have almost like what, four months until 2022 comes up. So this year kind of, yeah, flew by. So we're going to be discussing kind of uh, best of the year so far and what, what all that, uh, what all we've kind of seen. Um, so how is everybody doing? Everybody doing good? Uh. Doing yeah, good? I'm doing fine. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're doing good. Okay, yeah. Thought you couldn't hear me there for a second. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. Um, like I said, wasn't able to see the car counter with Oscar Isaac, uh, but uh, yeah, I just woke up. I was just out of it today. Uh, but um, yeah, still, still got, still got into a lot of stuff. It's nice watching these movies at home. Um, you know, like HBO Max, these movies being there. Because it's just, I don't have to have time to go to the theater and then come back. And then that takes up a large chunk of time. That's why a lot of times these shows are at 9 p.m. or 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Because simply because going back and forth to the theater and then coming back and then going to the theater. There's always, like, when the show says it starts at 2.30, doesn't really start at 2.30. It starts at maybe, like, 3 or something. Because just the amount of previews they have before, that's always annoying. And then so... That takes up a lot of time, so it's just like, yeah, I. Uh, so, so that that takes up a large chunk of time, but just sitting at home watching to be able to watch it, it's very, very convenient. Um, and then recently, um, Halloween Kills that got announced that it's going to be Peacock and it's going to be released in theaters when it comes out in October, um, which is mm. pretty. I think that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I mean, what do you think about that news that it's going to be released on Peacock? Um. I'm down for it. I mean, it's another fucking streaming service that I have to get. Mm. But um, 
any anytime one of these movies is going to streaming, I'm always excited for it. Especially considering where I live, stuff doesn't always come in day and date as it does in the states. Especially with horror movies, like we talked about this with Candyman. How, yeah, because um, I live in Japan, that's not coming out for like another two months. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty nice. If, if any come out at all. Yeah. So I basically for a majority of releases, uh, at normal times, I pretty much have to wait for it to come on streaming in order to review it. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's it's pretty yeah, convenient. I wonder if they're going to do it where there's like a premium service. I didn't. I don't know if they said that in the article whether or not they're going to do like a whole. You have to pay like maybe twenty bucks, thirty bucks to see it, or it's just if you just subscribe to the to the streaming service, you just get it. Uh, well, I I think on the I think on the little uh, tagline for the promo, it said available at no extra charge or available with um, this level subscription. Because I know Peacock, they have they have free memberships, but they also have like, uh, hey, you pay this much, you get uh, no ads. You pay this much. Uh, your access to premium content, kind of like what Hulu did back in the day. Mm, okay, yeah. Uh, because I actually I download the Peacock app on my PlayStation to watch Candyman. Because Candyman, the first Candyman '92, is free on uh, mm. on Peacock, so you can watch that if you check that out. Uh, but uh, Miller, he said he'd be down to be the third in Dead by Daylight. So yeah, I mean he definitely oh, would sweet. be. So he'd be I'm the um, expert in that, showing us the way. Because I have, I'd, I'd have absolutely no idea what I would be doing in that game. Uh, I'd definitely be getting ki- killed a lot. So uh, yeah, mm-hmm. so it, it'd be nice having him as an expert there. Um, so all right, so let's get into some news, people. I'm um, gonna start off with the somber news first. Um, the unfortunate passing of Michael K. Williams. Michael K. Williams, um, very uh, recognizable guy. Um, of course, he starred in a lot of great things. I first saw him. Many probably how many people first saw him was in The Wire, where he played Omar. Um, what was you guys' exposure to uh, Michael K. Williams? Was it the first one? Was The Wire or? I think the first time I actually took a uh, note of Michael K. Williams was his small role on Community. Mother. Uh, okay. Uh, Nick had to just dip there for a second. Um, so yeah, uh, Michael K. Williams. He was in a bunch of stuff. Uh, you know, the Community was also one of the things he was in. Um, he was also made appearances in other kind of TV shows. Like it's kind of cool to see like his career. Like after usually sometimes an actor when they're on like a hugely popular uh, TV show. Their career, you know, doesn't always take off all the way. Like sometimes, like in Breaking Bad, like I think Brian Cranston, his career really, you know, kind of you see his how his career really trajectory the trajectory of that has still gone up. But I think with Aaron Paul, like they tried to kind of make him a leading man with kind of things like Need for Speed and things like that, but it doesn't seem like it to be working out all that well. Uh, but after The Wire, you know. Michael K. Williams was able to get in, which is The Wire is considered like one of the greatest shows ever made. Um, he was able to get into kind of another great show. Like if you go on a list of like top fifty, top one hundred shows, you'll see a list like Boardwalk Empire was on there, which is a show he was also on where he played Chalky White um, as well uh, on there as well. So yeah, I mean he kind of had this you know really great long career. Uh, Dust, what was kind of your first exposure to uh, Michael K. Williams? I have to say, Gone Baby Gone. Hmm. I forgot he was in that. He okay. made, yeah, it's a really small part. He plays Devin, but yeah, there's just something about it that I kind of, I kind of dug. 
about it. This is such a small role. But yeah, he's just very quickly in it, and I didn't recognize him until I saw him in The Wire later. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I've seen that guy before. He was in uh, Gone Baby Gone, and then later on, I think. And then he was in, uh, shoot, he was in so many things. I don't think. He was also in The Road, although mm. that one's like super quick. He's just a thief in The Road. Oh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I remember him in The Road, and The Road is a movie, very great dystopian uh, movie there, mm-hmm. apocalypse movie, with Viggo Mortensen in it, and uh, they left they left him out in the cold, just underwear, oh, uh, yeah, just shaking and everything like that, um, yeah, they yeah. like a small kind of... That's why I, re- I kind of remember that, because, I don't know, there's some, just something about it, and then, uh, I think a lot of people, though, probably remember him from probably 12 Years a Slave, mm-hmm. this is yeah, uh, but he was. Uh, yeah, know. he's had a, he's had quite a lot of different stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, he was in yeah, kind of a bunch of stuff. Um, you know, also like you know, just recently seeing him, he was also in like Lovecraft Country, um, as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a, you know, he played the father of the character there of uh, Jonathan Majors, um, and you know. You know, I think that was a great role for him. People have seen him in recently. He was also in kind of another popular kind of more smaller TV show called Happen Leonard, um, which I've been meaning to watch that show Happen Leonard. Um, it's on Netflix. I've been meaning to binge it because I hear how great it is. Uh, that series is based off a book uh, from Joe R. Lansdale, um, a novel by him. And, it, you know, that very, very good stuff. I always hear very, very positive stuff about that series as well. Um, and, you know, he had a very, you know, identifiable look to him because obviously he had the scar down his face um and he got the scar because i was remembering an interview he did with the breakfast club and uh he said that he it was like a, a i think it was a situation where it was like an incident at a bar and he was fighting with a guy and then he was talking to him, and it was another black guy and, and he was trying to talk to him and um they got into a little bit of argument he says yeah i mean we don't have to do this man you know what i mean we, we're both black we don't have to get into this you know why is it always black people fighting each other and then he saw the guy who was like sucking his teeth and obviously he was trying to get a razor blade out of his mouth and then that's when he kind of you know slashed him across the face uh with the razor blade and that's how he kind of ended up with the long scar across his face and you know in his career kind of dates back you know you know, even 20 plus years because he was also, he knew Tupac. He was in a movie with him where he was like an extra and how he talked about the story. He also told on The Breakfast Club in the same interview of how Tupac picked him out because of that look that he had of that scar. And he just, he looked like a tough dude. And he's like, oh, you'd be perfect, you know, to roll in kind of my crew and everything like this. And and he and he said it is like, listen, you know, I look, you know, I know I portray them with these tough characters in movie, you know, in movies and shows you know, like Omar, but he also said, like, you know, in real life, like, listen, I'm a cream puff dude, like, I don't like violence at all, like, I don't want nothing, you know what I mean, I'm just strictly that, I, you know what I mean, I'm just a cream puff guy, you know, not a fighter at all, so that was kind of interesting, because he was a dancer, you know, so he was kind of this, you know, gentle soul in the way, um, and an amazing actor, um, and, and you know, yeah. I can't really think of a time he really had a bad performance, every time I've ever seen him, I mean, he's always knocked it out of the park every single time. Um, you know what's probably going to kind of drive you a little bit crazy? I didn't realize until much later, uh, until after I heard him. Have you ever seen F is for Family? Uh, uh, yeah, I think I've yeah. seen a couple episodes. Yeah, he's Smokey Greenwood. He was Smokey Greenwood in that. Oh, shit. Yeah, oh, he's okay. Smokey Greenwood. And uh, <laughs> thank, uh, this is supposed to be the last season. They already finished all the recording, so... That'll be uh, one of the last things that'll probably come out um, prior to him finishing. It's a good thing they finished up. That's mm-hmm. the last season. But yeah, 
I love Smokey. He's one of my favorite side characters on that show. And I didn't even think about it because he just plays this character. You don't even think about him. And I was just, I was just reminiscing and looking it up. And I went, wait, he's, oh, shoot. Yeah, he is Smokey. Yes, he, he was Smokey. Oh, man. Yeah. So, um, it's just one of, like, just piggybacking on what you said, like, sometimes hard to kind of tell. He has certain roles that you wouldn't even think about it. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember it like also like he was also MCU because he had like a super brief cameo. I don't know if you all remember this, but I maybe it's because he was so distinctive and I remember him so much. But he was also in like an Incredible Hulk. Um, I don't know if you remember this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because he was. Oh, yeah. Like he was an extra. In the I'm playing the clip right mm-hmm. now uh, on stream here and he just shows up really quick. Uh, where Abomination is tearing up like downtown, and he just comes out of an alley for some reason, and it's this Michael K. Williams, and he just pops up and he just reacts to him throwing a car. Um, I was like, <laughs> like, oh man! So I was like, oh shit, that's Michael K. Williams. I remember you watched that movie, and this was because Cradle Hole came out in two thousand and eight. Um, so I think this was wow. uh, around the time he was in The Wire. Um, so he was, you know, kind of coming up yeah. there. And that was like a year, and that was before another movie he was in called uh, Brooklyn's Finest that came out a year later. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, he also he's also in Brooklyn's Finest. Huh? Yeah. yeah. So he had you know, a lot of uh, good resume of shows, movies that he was in there very much. So so um, and. How he died was, you know, they found him in his apartment. So it was, you know, parent, you know, overdose there, um, you know, and things like that. So that's just kind of very sad stuff. Yeah. Uh, but he left, you know what I mean, uh, a, I think a great, you know, legacy, you know, being in all these kind of great shows, mm-hmm. uh, movies, uh, you know, being such a, you know, great person to work with. You know, you have a lot of people who express their, you know, remorse and everything like that and, and uh, you know, condolences. So... Uh, yeah, very very sad news. Yeah, um, very much so. So, um, any final word from you two about uh, Michael K. Williams at all? Uh, what season of Community was he in? Was he in like the later season, uh, season he was, four? He was in the, he was in the third season. Third. He's like the, he the biology doctor, right? professor. Yeah, he was the biology professor. Yeah, that they had. And mm. only he can fucking deliver the line is like, "Make your point, Miss Edison. May I remind you, this is not a courtroom." Mm. Yeah. <laughs> He was like the judge in their Law and Order episode. Oh, okay. Yeah, which is which is funny because he also cameoed in that series too, and <laughs> that series as well. Mm. I would recommend if you will you want to check out another great performance by him. Uh, check out the series The Night of. The Night of. Oh yes, he was. Yeah, he was in the Night of oh, with uh, Riz yeah, Ahmed. I, I forgot. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah he was. Uh, yeah, the yeah person. A, that's a fantastic miniseries. It's a fantastic little series based on the uh, British series, I believe, called um, Crimes or something. But it was based on the British show, and then we did kind of that on HBO. Yeah, The Night of it was really good. I think he was nominated for a couple awards as well for his performance as well. Mm. Correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah, a very, very great series. That's what you know, Riz Ahmed. He kind of uh, blew up from was that HBO miniseries, The Night of. Yeah, I forgot about yeah, The Night of. Yeah, that's a great, uh, great, great kind of uh, list there, dust there. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that rec- yeah, recommendation to people. Yeah, because th- The Night of is an amazing series. It's yeah, people. Uh, I, I talk about it sometimes in the people, which is kind of almost collectively been forgotten, yeah. despite all the accolades. It's just yeah. one of those things when it came out. Yeah, uh, you know, sometimes that happens. You know, miniseries, 
you know, just kind of oh, sure. yeah, came and went kind of for a lot of people. But, you know, that's kind of the best. HBO does those little miniseries that comes out that you can just, you know, consume real quick. Then it's a nice little story. And then it's over. You know, it's like it's great for it. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, he was continuously working. He was just 54 years old. Um, you know, still pretty young. I know. Man. Still still had a lot more life to give and, and everything. So, yeah, it's a shame. Um, all right. Yeah, uh, rest in power to Michael K. Williams. Uh, so, moving on from discussing uh, Michael K. Williams, uh, we're going to be discussing some, you know, try to lighter news here. Um, a big success for Shang-Chi. And um, here, so it broke the Labor Day uh, weekend. Uh, Walt Disney's uh, film had a $90 million four-day opening weekend in the U.S. and Canada, obliterated the previous record of the Labor Day weekend which is typically an end of summer quiet time for Hollywood. Uh, does anybody know what was the previous record holder? Uh, the previous record holder, it was Rob Zombie's House 2, I think. Uh, yes, that is correct. It but, was, but that only held like uh, 30-some million yep. uh, during that weekend. Uh, yep, it was uh, Rob Kudos Zombie's. to that, Nick. Damn. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was Rob Zombie's 2007 Halloween at $30.6 million. Uh, so yeah, it completely just trounced all over, uh, that, uh, Labor Day weekend there. Um, also, uh, Damn. much, much beat the shit out of Michael Myers. Yeah. Um, and he, Michael Myers He's can't handle rings and he can't handle those hands, I guess. Um, so <laughs> it was, you know, huge success, broke records. Um, I definitely didn't see it coming simply because, I mean, I know a lot of people are still nervous about the pandemic and no. uh, going to the theater. Yes, by, by all accounts. Yeah, under under these circumstances, the movie came out. It should not have done as well as it did. Mm, yeah. Um, I think I think it also hit just, just this right window mm. where things are kind of lining up, but just before another storm is kind of hitting in. So at the small window where it's like, okay... Things are kind of picking up, so we might go. So I think that also was a very big help to it as well. Very I think, excellent I th timing on all rounds. Hmm. So. I, I think maybe also a factor is because it's been a while since we've had a, a martial arts movie done this well come from a Western studio. Yeah. It, it's been a while, and I think there's like a yeah. hunger for that. True, and it's also a shame that, uh, I don't know if you mentioned this, but the the martial arts choreographer for some of the really great oh, scenes. Brad, oh, Brad Allen. Yeah, yes, he, he also he passed unfortunately away. passed this way. Yeah. yeah. Um, so to go on in this uh, Los Angeles Times article here, it says, AMC Theaters, the world's largest circuit on Tuesday, said that this was the first time that its audience numbers exceeded those of the same weekend pre-pandemic. Uh, AMC share price increased 9% to $47.00. Uh, increased nine percent to forty-seven dollars and eighty-three cents on Tuesday. Um, so the thing is, because uh, there were a lot of movies that were being pushed back, like you know, Venom Two got pushed back. They decided, okay, maybe things are too hot right now. Maybe going to push it back. Um, also, Jackass Four got pushed back. Um, also, Top Gun, uh, Top Gun Maverick, that also got pushed back. So it begs begs the question. So. Will movie studios start to reconsider? It's like, okay, well, maybe we should stick to you know our original schedule, go back to it, or change it up because of the success of this. But then again, it's like I would say to that is they're not Marvel movies. Um, you know what I mean? A lot of people were you know very anticipated yeah. to see you know these Marvel movies. Black Widow, you could say like, well, why didn't that work out for Black Widow? Yeah, yeah, Black Black Widow. It also came in day and date with streaming, so that absolutely hurt its box office 
Yeah, uh, that hurt his box. I mean, there was numerous factors of why Black Widow didn't do that yeah, well. Very it, numerous. Yeah, I mean, it's delayed. The fact that it was released simultaneously to Disney Plus and to theaters, the pandemic, I also think, played a part in it. Also, the fact that it was a prequel, so it's like, well, it doesn't really add anything mm-hmm. to the you know Marvel story. And a lot of these things are all about like watching this movie to lead to the next thing. Right. It's like, well, we already know the fate of the Black Widow character, right. so. The, the plot in itself, the premise, and some of the characterizations also uh, maybe rub some people the wrong way. And, yeah, like you said, it's kind of like, well, we already know where this ends. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it's like, you know, it's like a little, you know, a lot of people, when they watch it, it's like, well, this is a little too little, too late. I mean, you really should have capitalized off of Black Widow probably after Winter Soldier, I think. Phase 3. Yeah, probably something like that. Yeah, and- yeah the movie came out, like, I think uh, 10 maybe six years too late too late yeah i'd even give it like full if it came out right after civil war i think people would have been totally oh old. yeah 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 if it came out right after civil war it, it would have been regard i think it would have been regarded as one of the better mcu movies um yeah i mean if it came out like right after because this i mean black widow takes place like yeah in between civil war anyway so it's like yeah if it came out right after then i think it would have probably made a better maybe in between other than like captain marvel in between maybe you know like something that before infinity war it probably would have been better uh because really you didn't really need captain marvel before infinity war you could have just introduced honestly that would have been a better setup if it was the black widow movie before that would have also made what happens later far more impactful yeah yeah so i think that would have probably made more sense and then the ending credits of like black widow could have been the, like where you know you see Chris Evans show up or something like that, and you know something like that. So or yeah. her freeing one of them or something. So uh, yeah. yeah, so there's some narrative device. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, so and then the Elatane's article goes on to talk about you know things like the uh, Top Gun Maverick, uh, how Paramount Pictures last week delayed Top Gun Maverick from its November release date. Due to May, shortly after the studio showcased footage of the film to an eager exhibitors in Los Angeles and Las Vegas at CinemaCon, Sony Pictures is selling the rights to Hotel Transylvania 4 to Amazon Prime, and MGM has decided to <laughs> oh, release uh, the release the <clears throat> Adams Family 2 to premium video on demand in theaters at the same time. But on the heels of Shang Chi, Sony. Uh, on Monday, said it would release the big-budget Marvel sequel Let Venom: Let There Be Carnage two weeks early, earlier than expected on October 1st. Sean Robbins, chief analyst at Box Office Pro, said that Shang Chi release could be confidence boost for distributors. Um, yeah, I mean, the first Venom movie made a lot of money. Um, I don't know about this. Yeah, it. Oh, go ahead. It made a lot of money, and I, I. I think Venom, the first one, it made a lot of money, and it's well-regarded among people who aren't comic book fans. Yeah. Like, most of the people that casually know Spider-Man that I talk to at work, they, they loved it. Mm. Yeah. Me, I, I, I think the movie's kind of terrible. I, I think it works better if you look at it as a romantic comedy with uh, Venom and Eddie. Mm. Yeah, but... That that that's just my opinion on the movie. If it made money, great. It gets more comic book movies out there. Mm, yeah. uh, Venom is a beautiful, beautiful trash fire, <laughs> and it it is. It was everything. It was what there were only two different ways this movie was going to go. It was either going to go, it's going to be surprisingly good, or mm. absolutely terrible. And Tom Hardy happened. 
and what we and what and what we got ended up being somewhere in the middle yeah kind of in the middle where it's like tom hardy somehow pulled it from the briny deep just before it (laughs) swallowed and completely destroyed and he was able to like turn it just enough where it's not pretty but i had enough fun with it where it's like this isn't terrible it's 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 a train wreck for sure and it's a mess Uh, yeah hey i had fun It's a movie that I think succeeds in spite of its director and Ruben Fleischer, who, and premise. besides, yeah, besides Zombieland, it, the guy's a one-hit wonder. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, and then, so, also, to keep things also in kind of perspective with the Shang-Chi film, um, overseas, it hasn't done um, as well. It's actually done uh, mm. worse than Black Widow has done, uh, 20%, uh, 29% worse. Mm. And also, you know, that also has to do with, like, you know, most of the theaters kind of overseas, like, you know, different, again, pandemic, most theaters are closed. Yeah, um, yeah, diff- different pandemic rules. Uh, I saw it in, in a theater here, um, and they had it, uh, it's like, every other seat, it's uh, blocked off. You can't sit there. Yeah. Even if you're in the same group, you can't sit, and sit right next to each other. And uh, I think a big thing that's going to affect the box office internationally is uh, the film still doesn't have a release date in China. Yeah. Uh, because uh, uh, Simu Lu, he's been very critical about uh, about uh, Chinese politics. On top of that, uh, they're not too crazy about the kind of racist roots of the character of both uh, the Mandarin and Shang-Chi. Yeah. Yeah. So, that, yeah, like Nick said, that's a lot of kind of reasons uh, why that... Also, it may hinder the film from making as much money as it can because overseas is a huge part of you know why these movies make as much money as they do. Yeah, there's literally an alternate cut of Iron Man three just for China. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and also like with uh, also happened with Avengers: Age of Ultron. Like the Doctor in that movie, she had a whole extra scenes more like <laughs> when it got released in China than it did over here. Like she was a whole really fleshed out character in that release over there. Um, as opposed to here, so yeah, um, yeah. So I you know that that's going to play a big part in the movie as well. But still successful. I mean, it, it it you know, hey, broke a record Labor Day weekend. You know, awesome. Oh, yeah. You know, awesome for that movie. Did very well. So you know, didn't flop. Big didn't, win. Yeah, didn't bomb. Big win for us Asian superheroes. Yeah. Um, and Simon Liu, his troll game is pretty good. Um, Instagram, Twitter, really using those stock photo memes pretty well. They- Disney Disney needs to cut him a check just by how much his trolling has probably aided the marketing of Shang Chi. Yeah, I mean he knows what he's a funny guy. He knows what to do. Um, yeah, and he was pretty cool. He threw out the pitch of the San Francisco game throughout the first pitch, um, and the fit was pretty nice. You know, had some nice Jordan zone, did a black flip. I was like, okay, All right, yeah, okay, it's cool guy. Okay, yeah. Really in, ca- in case you forgot that he did most of the stunts in Shang Chi himself. Uh, very in good. case you forgot yeah so yeah good for, good for the movie i might see it again might check it out in theaters again might go see it myself it's gonna be released in disney i'm 100 uh, i'm 100 gonna try and see it again yeah um it's gonna be released uh in disney plus like i think in 45 days 40 something days like that it's gonna be oh, sweet um disney plus i think i was reading somewhere so uh, I might do that. Um, all right. So uh, moving on from discussing that, uh, going to discuss Matrix Four. Uh, the trailer for that just dropped. Um, it was a whole teaser before the trailer kind of came out, um, and so this is kind of Matrix Resurrection. Um, so, and in the trailer you have 
pretty much everybody back except for Lawrence Fishburne. A lot of people are asking, well, where the hell is Lawrence Fishburne? But they got a new black man. They upgraded. They got Yahya Abdul-Mateen. They were like, okay, we need to swap I, out. I wouldn't the... say I wouldn't say up. I wouldn't say upgraded. I'd say this is more of a lateral move. Well, I shouldn't say upgraded, but just you know, got a new black man. You know, <laughs> kind of put in there. And Yaya, we were just talking about Yahya Abdul-Mateen. He's in everything. Um, he's like the new guy that they pick for everything and good for him. I mean, I love him. I think he's a great actor. Um, you know, he's really amazing. Uh, just saw him in Candyman. I thought he did a very good job in Candyman. Um, and this is going to be directed by Lana Wyszkowski. Um, not, uh, so it's not going to be a duo, uh, like how they did in the first film, how it was Lana and Lily. Um, they're only going to, so it's only one person directing it. And the reason that the other sister isn't directing it is because she just said like, well, it just seems like, you know, especially since, you know, they were doing so many projects and like things like Cloud Atlas, things like Sense9, uh, which I haven't seen Cloud Atlas. I haven't seen uh, Sense9. I know since, uh, since 8. I'm sorry. Since 8. <clears throat> yeah, Sense8. I'm uh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, w- I wasn't too crazy about either of them. I hated Jupiter Ascending. Mm, yeah. I know. Yeah. A lot of people, yeah, did not like Jupiter Ascending, but uh, Lily didn't come back because she just, the schedule of just kind of doing those projects um, was just a lot you know constant shooting and then the idea I mean, to return to do oh good I mean, shit i mean shit they made all of the money in the world with the first movie let them retire in peace if they want to mm. yeah that was very true um and so you know and they were just like she was like just the idea of going back to do something old that they did you know 20 plus years ago just just wasn't, you know, just in kind of in the cars for her. Just wasn't, you know, just the the right frame of mind to her. So only one of the, the sisters coming back to direct this, and that is Lana. Uh, what did you guys think about the trailer? And um, are you excited to see a fourth Matrix film? Hmm. So when they first announced this, I was not on board at all. I think the first Matrix movie is one of the greatest uh, sci-fi action movies of all time. The sequels, however, I think they burn a lot of that goodwill from the first movie, and I don't think uh, the Wachowskis have have made something as good or even close to it since then. I've heard great things about Sense8. I'll most likely amend my opinion after I view that. However, this trailer, Fox. Mm. I, I, I think it's... Uh, I. I think this is kind of going to be like the Force Awakens for the Matrix, uh, bringing back a lot of, bringing back a lot of the old cast for it. Uh, doing, uh, going back to what I think the roots of this franchise is. It's talking about the like philosophy of existing because that's very much what the first movie was about. That was about um, um, how some people uh, just go about through life as drones, and this is about waking up to see the real world. And I think they're going to do something very similar here, especially with how it looks like Neo. He's, like, got amnesia or something. And this is, like, him rediscovering a lot of his power. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Dusk? Um, I'm surprisingly mostly in agreement with Nick on the feelings <laughs> on Wachowski's, I think. No, we, 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 well, we, we don't always agree on, on certain things. On a lot of yeah, things, mo- yeah. I most am- of the shows we do together are are like a couple, couple of minutes away from coming to blows a little bit. Uh, sometimes it's more just the uh, I don't see the perspective you do, but I okay. am mostly in line with everything you say. I think 
besides they've never really they made one really game-changing movie the mm. first matrix and then after that they've never been able to recapture the magic and the sequels kind of burned all the goodwill that that first one had and kind of didn't learn the lessons of that first one mm. uh i was also like you completely un uninterested in seeing another matrix i was like oh god what are they? it was already terrible enough why we got to do this again but i'll give it to whoever made that trailer Mm, everything yeah. inside that trailer was everything I could have ever like really wanted, or at least in a modern way. Like, if you're gonna do this again, what mm. what are you gonna do with the sequel? We're gonna go back to things being metaphors. We're gonna mm. go back to the illusion. We're gonna go back to what does it mean to be alive and living, and what is the Matrix? Mm. Let's go. We'll go back to Neo as a character and an arc of a character. And I'm I'm hoping. I'm really hoping that. Uh, almost in a way for is like for forget about the, those other two movies just <laughs> like it ended on that first one and then just something happened mm. and year it's passed and he, he did all these things off screen and then he just doesn't remember mm. and it's like a reawakening i'm also only from the trailer that i've seen mm. i'm also somewhat pleased that he's not just a oh i'm just not gonna do anything this movie it very seems like a He's not taking a back seat. This is a very specific Keanu Reeves role. Yeah, and that was kind of the problem with the with the latter two sequels. Neo just became so overpowered that they had to sideline him for a majority of mm -hmm. the of Reloaded and Revolutions. Yeah, he was he was just a he wasn't a character anymore. He was just mm -hmm. a oh, he's just a prop to put whatever action scenes we kind of want. The idea which, that he is yeah, which, which is which is a problem when you write a character as the chosen one, right? Or or the one, yeah. Um. So so in this trade, so like I said, we have some newcomers here: Yaya Abdul Mateen, uh, who is playing Morpheus, um, who is replacing Lawrence mm -hmm. Fishburne as the character. So there's some kind of theories possibly that maybe he's the son, grandson of Lawrence Fishburne's character. You also have like. Returning people like Keanu Reeves, Carrie Ann Moss, uh, Jada Pickett-Smith is also going to be returning. So there's some possibility that people think that maybe Jada Pickett-Smith is going to be his mother in it, maybe, possibly. And then, mm. um, so they're, you know, the son character of Lawrence Fishburne. Um, you also have Jessica Heckwick in this. Uh, people know from, you know, she was an Iron hey. Fist. Um, she yeah. Was also you know, yeah, you 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 all remember her as the only person that gave a shit during Iron Fist. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, well, she's... <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, she was. Yeah, she was the one there, um, and she was also Sand Snake in Game of Thrones. Um, so she plays a role here. So, um, and, and wonderful in uh, Love and Monsters. Oh uh, yes, Love and Monsters was also a really good film uh, that we watched there. Um, you know, she also had a great role there. Um, so here with the trailer uh, that we have, um, you know, The Matrix obviously is something that still is heavily involved in pop culture um still to this day i mean it's yeah yeah fucking yeah take a drink every time fox news drops a fucking take the red pill metaphor uh, yeah i mean that became a whole you know ideology philosophy for people you know taking the red pill and then it you know it got kind of adopted by someone of the wrong people because i mean the matrix oh um you know to, the, to this day my favorite to this day my favorite interaction on social media it's like elon musk fucking tweeted take the red pill ivanka trump retweeted it and the Wachowskis just said, fuck 
both of you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I forgot. I forgot which sister said that. I forgot which one said that. But I, I think it might have been Lana. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe it was. Yeah. Maybe it was her. Um. I gotta. Yeah. Gotta insert that screenshot yeah, into the show. But um. Uh. Yeah. So uh, you know. You know. The, the film was still heavily involved, and then when the first Matrix came out. Everybody wanted to do the Matrix. Everybody wanted to do the whole, you know, oh, yeah. slow motion and the whole freeze frame, jumping up in the air, and then um, they still even um, WB. Yeah, the nine. Yeah, the nineties was. Yeah, the nineties was a time where we got one um, incredible game changing movie, and then about like thirty other uh, knockoffs of that. Like we got how many Tarantino ripoffs with something like Reservoir Dogs? How many stuff ripping off the Matrix? How many stuff ripping off Scream? Yeah, I mean, it, it, so I mean that is you know kind of something very cool that you were able to do that to start a whole movement of people who did want to copy off you and kind of do the film that you wanted to do. So that is pretty you know kind of you know great that you were able to do that. Um, and you know it it did kind of set a whole new standard for kind of these movies and the whole cyberpunk genre and action and everything like that. Um, like the Matrix after Matrix, you had something like you know Equilibrium who you know really tried to you know kind of ride that wave. You had things like Charlie's Angels who did kind of action wise who did the same thing um mm. even um even just recently you had space jam who even had to include a scene in the matrix in there because they had to pr- promote it um for their new promote the matrix uh upcoming Warner Bros. will never let you forget they own the rights yeah, we yeah. That. uh they had to do it um yeah. so warner brothers, yeah warner brothers is that asshole hype beast that is flexing everything they fucking own yeah very much nick and nick says this with a supreme hat on uh, you know, get the supreme. Fair point. <laughs> uh, but um, <laughs> and also, um, you have another newcomer, uh, Prinka Chopra, who is this? So some people are saying she's the grown-up version of the little girl that uh, the Oracle had in the Matrix movie. She's kind of her all grown up, uh, possibly. But then, but she was also a oh, co- so she'd be completely useless. Uh, <laughs> I mean. Maybe she's the new Oracle. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, kind of like how she is in most other movies. Mm. You know. Oh. <laughs> um, oh. But then, because some people were saying, like, with the with that girl, she was like a code in the Matrix. So people wondering mm-hmm. how did she get older? You know what I mean? Since she was just like a code in the Matrix. But um, so I guess I mean, we'll, we'll, not, none of that makes sense. Yeah. So we'll see with that. Um, you know, I think the whole idea with the trailer for it's very on the nose. It's, it's using uh, Jefferson Airplanes, you know, White Rabbit. Um, you know, because obviously the whole film yeah, mm-hmm. is you know very much a metaphor for an analogy to you know Alice in Wonderland and you know going which was in the first one. Yeah, yeah, which, which that yeah. that was a huge uh, that was a big that, part of the first one. And that, that got that, dropped uh, after that first movie. Like they just, <laughs> they dropped that immediately. Yeah, and then even it the, almost it almost makes you wonder if like they if the Wachowskis originally they had plans to just do the Matrix as a standalone. I believe it was a studio, standalone, and the studio pressured them into making sequels for it. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty much what happened. Yeah. Um, Kind of, they were like, yeah, they, they, they the studio came and was like, well, this is a huge hit. We kind of want sequels, and they were kind of like, like motherfucker, you know how much money that made? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, because at the end, I mean, like I said, Neo is God, basically. I mean, because the whole movie is also like a Jesus metaphor too, um, as well with the whole you know one, and then so with this it being resurrection, since Neo is basically Jesus and he sacrificed himself to save people in the last film, then he's you know resurrected here. Um, you know, yep. company in the even whole got just... even got the even got the Jesus slash uh, John Wick haircut. 
Yeah, uh, the beard makes him look young, man. I mean, he's, they had to keep the beard. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We saw how the second he shaved that, he aged like thirty years in uh, Bill and Ted. Yeah, he oh, he, he kind of needs the beard. It's like that. That's keeping his youngness right there. It's like yeah, he kind of needs. I mean, he's still a good looking guy without the beard, but you can tell like he looks a, a very much younger with it. Um, and so and the movie you see, you know, kind of also you know shots of him using his abilities. So and you bring up the point of force awakens right how force awakens was kind of this soft reboot slash kind of remake a little bit of the you know the first a new hope from star wars it's a good thing and bad thing i think because i did like force awakens Mm -hmm. it's a a fun movie it's got a lot of energy to Mm -hmm. it it's got good pace to it but it is essentially a new hope kind of over again um and i kind of don't want to see the matrix resurrection just be the first matrix over again so and in this it may be I, I think when there's enough bad will with the sequels, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, that was the same situation with Star Wars, where it's like, okay, you had the prequels, and then so many people had that all that taste in their mouth, and then so you kind of wanted to go back to something that felt so familiar for people, and, you know what I mean, so you want to go back with, with the original movies. So this one, you know, if Matrix Resur- um, uh, Resurrections tries to go back to what the first one, what people loved about that one... I don't know, you know what I mean, if how receptive are people going to be to it? Because maybe the first one, I mean, the first one was a, I think, a, a, a lightning in a bottle situation of that first one where it was just kind of set a whole movement off. And with the whole, you know, that look mm-hmm. and with the black boots and the trench coats and the, the shades. And now if you did that, that'd be corny as hell, you know, because you see a lot of people who when they're in the Matrix, they don't dress like that anymore. They wear more modern, you know, kind of clothes because that did look kind of stupid in the first one. How like these people are like, okay, I'm going to have my own, you know, avatar in this matrix and try not to be identified by these agents. But I'm going to wear this big ass black coat, big ass black <laughs> boots and jeans and all this. It's like sunglasses inside. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Like I'm trying. Fair, to... That was 90. That was 90 yeah, chic. To be fair, that was that was the 90s chic. Yeah, I mean, that but, was um, yeah, the 90s thing. Yeah, but yeah. once that picture of Ben Shapiro dressed like a fucking Matrix dude with oh, a samurai yeah. sword, once that picture surfaced, drop that shit. Nope. Yeah. Nope. You know, like, yeah, that. so now it's, you know, people, you have people with the different color hair, wearing urban outfitter kind of clothes, wearing the bomber jackets, you know, the sweaters. So you kind of have that look kind of going on. Um, and then I think, you know, you also kind of have, you know, him where he's kind of in these therapy sessions, you know, he's taking these blue pills that are suppressing him in a way um, and, you know, him trying to finally wake up. And, you know, you see kind of some similarities there, like where you see a scene where he's got a gun point at uh, where Neo has a gun point out of his head, you know, uh, kind of very much like it with, with kind of the sprinklers going off, very reminiscent of what happened in the first Matrix when they saved Lawrence Fishburne, uh, Morpheus, and they saved him. Um, that situation when he's being held hostage by the agent there. Um, yeah, he, even in the trailer, I see a lot of iconography from uh, the first movie. Like, um, in that little snippet with uh, Neo and Trinity together, it looked kind of like that uh, that lobby that they tore up in the first movie in that epic shootout. Oh, okay. It looked a little bit like that. Mm, okay. It, so I heard a theory. Uh, this is just a small theory. But I kind of like it. I like that the idea that this movie is what would have happened if Neo took the blue pill in the very mm. first movie. And it's just like, he just kept on suppressing. And it's kind of like, alright. But, I don't know. That's not, it's an interesting theory, but I highly doubt it. But, I am 
this trailer has done one thing. I didn't mm. care about seeing another Matrix movie. I had no expectations. This trailer has done almost the impossible, where now I have some expectations. <laughs> mm. Not a lot, but I have some now. And yeah. uh, it, it, it needs to own up to that. Yeah, whoever cut this trailer, um, Warner Brothers cut them a check because they 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 did the impossible. They got me excited for a Matrix sequel, a movie that I've written off completely until uh, Thursday morning when I watched it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess my fear with it. I mean, I am. I mean, I'll be eager to see it. I mean, I think it's got a good cast. Um, people come back. I'm, I'm interested to see what she does with the film. Uh, what new can she bring to the Matrix? How to revitalize it? But. Um, one thing that kind of concerns me, like you see scenes like, you know, where, you know, the scene where he's in the, he's in an elevator and you have everybody kind of on their phones and, you know what I mean? Got their, you know, plugged in with their laptops and iPads and stuff like that. Um, and stuff like in the nineties, um, where you had movies like Fight Club, you had movies like The Matrix, uh, movies mm. you know like about, about society, about the culture, about things like that, and then you're trying to update it more to modern times. Oh, p- too many people are on their phones, and we're all that's like we're in the Matrix, dude, because like we're on our phones and computers all the time, dude, and you know what I mean. That's really our Matrix, you know what I mean. It's like maybe it's trying to make, oh, sh- you know what I mean. Shut up. <laughs> you know what I mean. So I'm I'm fearing that it may be so heavy-handed and that type of messaging with technology and it might dilute the uh the narrative and stuff like that yeah Yeah. um that is an actual that is a legitimate fear and that's and that's kind of what happened in the matrix sequels yeah so yeah very much so so i'm kind of worried about that a little bit and um now that you know I, you know, a lot of people are very aware about, you know, more politics, you know, in movies now, I think more than, you know, maybe they previously were, uh, that a lot of people are going to be saying, I can't wait for the discourse of when did Matrix get political and it's always been political. I can't wait for that discourse to happen. Wait. Uh, um, so, but I can't, I can't wait to watch Tucker Carlson's brain explode when he realizes that the Matrix was always a trans allegory. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that yeah. So that's kind of always been the thing. People say like, well, no, that was never the original intent. It's you know going back and changing the story. It's like no, that's. I mean, if you if you you know listen to them, you know, listen to the Wischkowski sisters talk about it. It's like the one of the characters in it. Um, I've, I've got her her name. Was it? Um, oh. Uh, I think it was. Uh, I, was I don't ghost? remember the character. Ghost. I don't remember the character's name, I think it but was I ghost. remember the girl oh. name was Ghost. Yeah, Ghost. Mm. Yeah. Uh-huh. The, the am- ambiguous individual with short white hair was yeah. named Ghost. No, no. The character's name was Switch. Switch. Like, damn, you're right. Yeah. Switch. Yeah. The character's name was Switch. Was the other guy named Ghost then? Uh, somebody uh, was named Ghost. There was. Somebody was, was named Ghost. Uh, one of one of those two died. I'm looking Both at of the IMDb. So there was there was like yeah. a Apoc Mouse and Switch. Oh. Yeah. They, okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. It yeah, was Tank, Apoc. Yeah. Tank. Yeah. Tank and Dozer were the guys in the chair. Yeah. I'm sorry. And it was uh, Apoc. Joe Pantaliala and Joe Pan- Joey Pants was a Joey, Joey asshole in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So you know the person that originally in the story she was supposed to be a well it was supposed to be a man in in the real world but then it was supposed to be a woman when it was in the Matrix. Um, that's how they originally planned yeah, but, it to be. This, yeah, but yeah, but nineteen ninety nine, the studio they they would never get that out of here. They yeah. would get that out of here. Yeah, uh, remove the budget, make it an indie <laughs> movie. Then you would have been able to do that. Yeah, and mm-hmm. nobody would have seen it. 
until years later, and then people would have called it a revolution, and then they would have been like, how about maybe we could have made money? No. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so... Yeah, I think I'm. Uh, I'm. You can see what they do with it. You can see what happens, um, and 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 what they do, and yeah. So I, it comes out uh, December. Uh, I mean, this Christmas. So uh, December twenty second. That that week is going to be packed because I think uh, that and Spider Man they both come out within the same week. Mm, yeah. Speaking of Spider Man. Uh yes. Uh, speaking of good old there, Spider Man. Um, we also have the PlayStation Showcase, and they dropped a bunch of trailers uh, there for a lot of people. And they did they did drop a short little teaser for Marvel Spider Man Two. So Marvel Spider Man Two, um, the first Spider Man game uh, that dropped on PS4 and all the other consoles, um, very very popular, very uh, you know critically praised game, uh, beloved by also like fans. Um, I played the game, loved it a lot. Uh, how about you guys? Did you guys play the game? That game was the reason I bought a PS4. Damn. Mm. Yeah, I was holding out until that game came and until that game was released. Mm. Yeah. What about you, Dust? Very, very good game. Uh, the only part I don't, I'm not the biggest fan on the ending, but that's subjective. Mm. But everything else, from the character of Peter Parker and Spider-Man to the characters of Mary Jane, Norman Osborn, uh, everybody. Everybody, Miles Morales, everybody, very good, yeah. very good. Even uh, Miles, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the year the year that game came out was a wonderful year to be a Spider-Man fan because I think it uh, that the game came out, uh, uh, Avengers: Infinity War was released, and yeah. uh, Spider-Man: Into the Spider-Verse came yeah. out like oh, months another later. excellent um, property with the Spider-Man locale. It was very good. Uh, even Miles Morales expansion, well, could have been better on some of the boss stuff. Miles Morales, they took care of his character. They respected... They, they improved his character, honestly, from the comics, both that and the Spider-Verse. And uh, it was very good. It's just a very good series. Um, regardless of some of the small controversies, like, they changed his face, which I think is... The fact they changed it was so stupid because the first one was fine, but that's fine. Other than that, everything from the characterization, the voice acting, the performances, class act. And, of mm. course... A wonderful last cameo from Stanley. It just warms your heart. Yeah. Um, it just warms your heart. Yeah. So I mean, so in this trailer right here, very short little kind of teaser. Um, it's only like a minute and twenty seconds. So it's just showing off kind of both Miles Morales and Peter Parker, both of them using their abilities. Um, and then you have kind of a voiceover that's playing, and the voiceover, the way the person's talking, the things that they're saying, um, sounds like it's pretty much uh, Craven the Hunter um yeah mm. talking like that about him seeking a more a, a challenge somebody to fight uh a bigger a bigger threat you know somebody powerful enough to face off against and so that very much is like kind of like craving the hunter um and then but coming from emerging from the shadows is venom um who's going to be voiced by tony todd um it, yep I, I was already excited and then i heard the dulcet tones of the motherfucking Candyman himself, Tony motherfucking Todd. The second I heard that voice, I was like, "Shut up and take my money!" Uh, so he's gonna be. So that's excellent voice casting right there for play Venom. I did not. I did not know that was Tony Todd. I did not catch that initially. I have gotten a hint more excitement at that. That would have been as if they brought spawn and had keith david to the voice oh wait they did that for mortal Kombat. oh yeah which is why it's great 
Yeah. Um, and then, so some of the action that they kind of show here, um, you see kind of Spider-Man using um, kind of the, what do you call those uh, weapons necessarily? Oh, the, the mechanical. The robot arms. Yeah, yeah. The robot arms, which robot. was, uh, which were in the, in the first game, but I yeah. think it was like a exclusive to the Iron Spider. Uh, you could use the, the Iron Spider suit. Ability. Yeah, and it looks like they're incorporating it more. I guess yeah. uh, Peter looked in this world looked at uh, Doc Ock and said, I gotta get me some of those. Yeah. Mm. Um, and did you all play the Miles Morales uh, game? I reviewed mm. it with you, dude. Oh, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right, you reviewed it with me. That was a, was a long time, you know, that was a long time ago. Uh, what about you, Dusk? <laughs> I, I, have, I have indeed played. Okay. Um, yeah, so it says here, so it seems like Miles has a little bit more of kind of a power where he's kind of more pushing people back with the electricity, maybe something a little bit yeah. different than we've seen in the game before. Um, Which yeah. was an add-in, I don't believe that was originally with the comics, the whole electricity thing. I don't remember if that was. I, Nick, I, th- you know. I think it was like he had Venom. But yeah, I think they didn't just really translated it to electricity because I yeah. guess it's easier to draw. No, yeah, because I think what they did was that it was in the Spider Verse movie that they really cemented he <clears> could turn <throat> invisible in electricity. Like they almost reset his whole backstory, which is better than his actual backstory, anyways. And now they've made <clears> a canon. So basically, they're like, yeah, no, like that's how it was supposed to go. We totally had this planned. Mm. Uh, so I think, yeah, they're just incorporating, they're just making, okay, this is what he can do. He can turn invisible, he'll learn that later, but he's got the electric thing, mm. which was super fun to play when it was doing the... Yeah, the oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And even oh, yeah, Miles Morales, it's it's a fucking incredible game. Uh, um, I think it's a little too short, but I think uh, Insomniac needed it to kind of work out the bugs for what will eventually become Miles' gameplay in Spider-Man 2. Yeah, that's it's fair. It, it was fair for what it was. It was a, uh, it was like a standalone expansion, mm. not as long as the original game, but just a, it's a little expansion. Yeah, kind of like an Uncharted Lost Legacy. I, I yeah, or if you're old school and you remember it, like a Dragon Age Awakening. Ah, oh, mm. yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. So. You know, I, I, I really enjoyed the Miles Morales game. Um, yes, it was kind of basically extended, kind of DLC a little bit, a uh, very short game. But um, I still think it was, you know, very much fun. Um, I think it was, how much was it? Was it $40? I remember. Yeah, it was um, like a 40, it was like a $40 game. Yeah. Uh, 35 if you bought it on the PS4. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and I played it on the PS5. Um, looked really great there. Um, you know, see what they could really I do. I played it on the PS4. Ah, yeah, um, it looked good on PS4 too. Yeah, there were some bug issues with the PS4 version though that took some patching. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I think it did look better on the PS5. You know what I mean? I don't know. But uh, oh no. Oh yeah. yeah. It looks better on the PS5, but it looks just fine on the PS4. Ah, okay. No complaints. Uh, um, yeah. So I was a fan of the game. So uh, do you think you'll switch between Peter and Miles in this game for missions? Like, there's going to uh, be. Well. Well, if you're including them, if they decide to do the black suit storyline, then I'd imagine that uh, you'd ha- you'd switch uh, between Peter and Miles. Mm. Uh, uh, 
if they do it like more open world, I can see them doing something like GTA Five, where you were able to switch in between all three uh, characters you were playing as. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it okay. could also be um, Peter gets with the the symbiote on him, and he's out of commission for a while. So it's then Miles mm. Morales solo. Peter at first solo, and Miles is a sidekick, sort of not a sidekick, but his partner, so to speak, in fights. And then uh, he gets incapacitated, and then Miles takes control, and then late game, when he's in control, then both of them that you can just switch independently, or perhaps they'll do a like a like a Yakuza game where you can just kind of pick, oh, I'm going to play this person, or switch back and forth at any time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, even even in the first game, it's it's a fairly long story, and there are a lot of very distinct chapters that you yeah. were specifically playing, and each one with like a different uh, tone. Uh, eventually, in that game, turning almost post-apocalyptic a little bit. Yeah, yeah. New York was a New York was a literal shit show. I, that crap. was a, that was an element I did not see coming, and my jaw was on the floor when I when they. Holy fuck, you went there. No. Damn. Um, and yeah. I can imagine they, they'll experiment more with tone, especially introducing Venom in this, yeah. so they could possibly play more with horror. Yeah, Venom is one of those... Well, he's in, it's an interesting character on its own. It really mm-hmm. gains pretty much prominence when it's with Spider-Man. Like, Especially with Eddie Brock and that kind of stuff, that dynamic. And, and he, it's even hinted that uh, it's not Eddie Brock that's Venom because yeah. they tease the symbiote at the end of the first Spider-Man, and it's in that little stasis tank with Harry Osborn. Right. Mm. I'm fine with that not being the case, and they're doing mm-hmm. something different. Uh, that's fine. They they've made some good choices, so I trust their judgment. Yeah. At, at this point, um, Insomniac, they got carte blanche with me. Yeah. yeah. Aside from the way that first game ended, I wasn't a fan mm. with that. Um, just the one particular scene. I don't want to spoil it mm. if anyone's ever played it. But mm. aside from that, every decision they made, I was completely like, "All right, all right." Yeah, I, I think I have some issues with the ending too, but I think uh, uh, the performances oh, from yeah. uh, Yuri Lowenthal and uh, whom whomever was the voice actor for uh, for all the voice actors for the other characters, I think that carries it. No, most assuredly does, and it's a bold. It was a bold, cho- bold choice, um, but uh, other than that, I am excited for a sequel to that kind of a game. And, and Sonic has already proven themselves beforehand. Yeah, and, and Insomniac's Insomniac's going to get another chance to prove it because uh, they're oh, yeah, working on Wolverine. a Wolverine game. That's uh, yeah. true. We saw a trailer for that too. Uh, yes. So the Wolverine game, uh, they also announced that at the PlayStation Showcase, also made by Insomniac Games. There. Um, so here, um, it's just a, again, short little teaser. Doesn't show you much. There's no real gameplay footage here. Um, it's just kind of just introducing like, Hey, we're going to make a Wolverine game. Um, here he's in a bar. Um, you know, lots of guys kind of laid out the shit out of everyone. (laughs) Yeah. So like how so many Wolverine stories start. Yeah. Uh, very much so. And guys coming up with him a knife and then that's when he pops out his knives, his claws, and just says Marvel Wolverine there. Um, I think the was the last Wolverine game X Men Origins Wolverine. That was like the last one, right? Yeah, uh, standalone. So. Yeah, yeah. But the last standalone Wolverine game was that. 
Yeah, and that game. Yeah, that's not bad. One, one of the few like movie tie-in games that's better than the movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, probably because uh, they had some extra was... time to work on it when the movie got delayed, so they had extra time to work yeah. on it and everything like that. Not just that, it got delayed so much that when they were working on it, they, I think Fox or whatever, just literally just said, just, just do whatever you want. They're not going to delay this, <laughs> and so they did what I whatever they wanted. So they made a more hyper-violent Wolverine game like you're supposed to. All, all I'm hoping for for that kind of game is as long as it's violent but not over the, like too stupidly over the top. As long <laughs> as it's like purposely violent and we get a Logan-esque Wolverine where mm. like you focus on the character and his struggles on that, I'm sold. Yeah, they, uh, same, same here. Uh, and especially because they've confirmed already that exists in the same universe as uh the insomniac spider-man games mm, okay so maybe they're trying to build up, build up to maybe doing an avengers game eventually yeah. shit 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 just just give all of the marvel games over to insomniac because nobody fucking gives a shit about uh fucking midnight suns or fucking marvel's the avengers sorry mm. square enix but you dropped the ball yeah mm. Yeah, we want narrative-driven games for our characters that we actually like. And they already dropped Daredevil. He <laughs> offered a card to beat her. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they name-dropped Daredevil. They name-dropped Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, uh, the fucking Avengers. Yeah, you can yeah, see the Avengers did. Tower in the game if you swing in, you know, in the game. Doctor Strange. Yep. Doctor Strange for the whole house. Yeah, so... I mean, there's a lot of those references in Marvel Spider-Man, so... Yeah, I mean, if they're building towards that, that'd be pretty exciting. I think they, you know, they've done very good with the superior games so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they can, you know, have a more kind of updated, better version of what happened with X Men Origins Wolverine, uh, the video game, that'd be even better. Um, mm-hmm. um, so something else from the PlayStation Showcase, uh, something else that's not a, you know, kind of already a, a thing already. So we got an original IP that we're kind of more interested in is something called Forspoken. Um, it's also a game they kind of showed. Uh, looks very nice. Looks very cool. If anybody's kind of seen the trailer, I'm gonna put it up here on the stream real quick. Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I think this is one of the trailers that I missed. But uh, yeah, go ahead and put it up on the screen. Um, yeah. So um, here, it's. Mm, I'm trying to describe it the best way I can. Uh, but it's you know very kind of cool with her. You know, a lot of kind of parkour action with kind of like Assassin's Creed. Then you have kind of like a little bit of a control aspect with her kind of, you know, kind of using these, you know, weapons. And then also kind of you have a little bit more of the, you know, kind of, you know, with the area of her kind of bouncing around more like Uncharted, like using whips and things like that to swing around. Kind of looks like the action kind of Ooh. gameplay of something like God of War, uh, which looks very exciting. So and kind of fighting these kind of boss battles, like something like Dark Souls. Of how like using these different element abilities that look very cool. So it looks like a very kind of interesting game the way they use it, the way they do it's, it. It's interesting that they're using at least from what I can see is it's missing like a magic kind of esque thing mm. with like a modern setting kind of sort of where you're mm. like oh initially we're in the modern world and now bam we're in this weird place. Mm. Yeah, mm. I, I'm always a fan of stories like that, especially because I like that uh, contrast of. Hey, magic and mysticism, and do it in the modern world. I, I well, tend to, I tend to like a lot of those stories. Well, for like a half a second until it's <laughs> in the portal. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so that was kind of one uh, original IP I was I was kind of very excited about. Uh, the rest of the kind of stuff they announced, uh, the GTA Five uh, is going to come to PlayStation Five um, updated. Um, not as excited <laughs> about that. I mean, whatever. Uh, GTA Five, they're going to do that. Whatever. This game's been out. steady. You've showed GTA Five for the last nine years. Yeah, uh, it's been out. I can't believe it's been out like almost a decade now. Pretty much. I mean, it's close to it. I mean, the game came out in like 2013. I originally got uh, launched, so it's coming close to like almost a decade of games now, and they're still putting it on different systems. They're, they're doing everything they can to not fucking release GTA 6. Um, and uh, GTA Online, that's still wildly popular for a lot of people. A lot of people still play it a lot. Um, Vivian, uh, this is Vivian. Um, she's a streamer from the Stream Queens that was on the show. She plays, I know she plays it a lot. Um, so does uh, Baby Girl Sadie's, who's also another Twitch streamer. She plays a lot on there as well, GTA Online. I've never played GTA Online. Um, never been on there, but um, have you have any yeah, of you guys? Yeah, I've, I've played the console version of it. it. It's a lot of fun. I haven't played the PC where you can mod it and how you get that like Second Life simulator. Mm, okay, yeah. Uh, I know a lot, yeah, a lot of people yeah, do it with that with GTA Online. Um, mm. Yeah, so... They announced that they also announced like an Alan uh, Wake remake. Uh, they're gonna do. Um, I've never played Alan Wake. I heard it's a pretty good game. I've never kind of played it myself. Um, they also kind of announced like an Uncharted uh, remastered for PlayStation Five. So kind of like kinda those kind of remasters, everything like that. Uh, Gran Turismo Seven coming. Not really interested in that. I've never really been interested in any kind of racing game like that, unless it's you know, I don't know, like Mario Kart or anything like that. They have their enthusiasts, and they love that stuff. Yeah, I know. Yeah, they, they people are really kind of into. I mean, they wouldn't make seven of them if people aren't really into kind of Gran Turismo like that um, in the series. So um, that was kind of stuff they kind of showed off. Uh, of course, the big stuff people were talking about, um, and the final thing that people kind of big were talking about. Of course, uh, well, two more things with that. Uh, God of War Ragnarok and Star Wars of the Knights of Old Republic. Knights of Old Republic, though, um, was kind of like so it's another remake situation they have going on. Uh, people pump for that. Um, what do you have to say about it, Dusk of Knights of the Old Republic and the trailer? Um, I, I am cautiously interested, although in the initial rumors of what they, what the developers said. They said initially they're going to change certain parts of the story in the remake so that it's closer to the current Star Wars canon. And as someone who's not a fan of the current Star Wars canon, um, I just want it to be left alone and to them to just make a really good game with the story they already did with Bioware and Obsidian. Just leave it alone and do what you gotta do. If they're wrong, if they're like if they lied or or they backpedal on that and they're gonna keep it the way it was and just make the mechanics and gameplay better, more power to it. Mm. Personally speaking, I would have I would have maybe liked a Jade Empire remake, because that lo- really needs that badly. Mm-hmm. Knights of the Old Republic I can still play. But hey, it's a big it's a it's a it's a great RPG. One of the best uh, t- plot twists for a character uh, at the very end and uh, Knights of the Old Republic 2 is one of the best sequel RPGs ever made that unfortunately was unfinished because they only gave them 10 months to finish it. So um, hopefully this does well, and it's not including the second Nice Old Republic. They'll do the same treatment for two. Hmm. Okay. 
Um, but we and, all all we saw was just a we just saw the the Sith and have a lightsaber and then darkness and nothing. Yeah, so it's another teaser situation going on uh, with a lot of trailers. Uh, one trailer that kind of did have a lot more going on was God of War Ragnarok. So it actually, did show some gameplay oh, yeah. um, and show kind of more of what, what was going on with the story. Um, so here, kind of Ragnarok going on. If you know the story of Ragnarok, which got showcased in Thor Ragnarok, uh, the MCU film, uh, it, it is all about the destruction of Asgard. Um, and I guess, presumably, I mean, you're going to probably be the destructor of... Well, it's of, not just Asgard. Uh, was it, what, what else is it? Uh, I mean, no, Ragnarok is the, the death of all gods. Okay. The only place is the destruction of Yggdrasil. It's destruction of of um, Asgard, of Niflheim. It's destruction of everything. The only things that are left over are uh, is Midgard, is Earth. Like the human beings are the only ones to survive Ragnarok, and even just barely. Uh, everything else, it's the death of, it's the destruction of everything. Oh, it's okay. one of the few mythos is where everything, where it's not the apocalypse where oh you're all things are going to die it's like no it's the death of the gods and the elder and the old ones all of that's destroyed and it's plant and the destruction of yggdrasil creates the fruits of labor to be created to be reborn on midgard and allowing human beings to kind of just be it mm. okay yeah so it's way more epic than that like Fenris and the uh, the giant snake from Data War, they devour themselves in a climactic battle that destroys like an entire like realm. Hmm. That's foretold and told beforehand and it's all because of the death of Baldur. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, and uh Baldur, he was the uh son of Freya in this um in the yeah. God of War. Freya and Odin yeah, and he died, you know, you killed him in the first kind of God of War, the well, the reboot that you did in God of War here where you focus more on Norse mythology. Um, did you play the uh, God of War 2018? Maybe? Uh, I, yeah, yeah well, I played either. a little bit of uh, the 2018 God of War. I still haven't uh, finished the game, but I've read synopses, I've watched playthroughs of it. Yeah. I, I know what happens in the game. Okay. Yeah. Uh, um, to be very specific, the only reason it uh, becomes Ragnarok is it's because of Loki. Mm. Loki, it look Loki tricking another character to kill Balder is what starts Ragnarok. It has to be because of Loki. Mm. That's even in the Ragnarok myth, and it's very important. I'm just noting that because that seemed mm. that was very important that they made sure. Oh, it was because of the thing that Loki had on him that caused him to be vulnerable to even die hmm yeah um so did so did you play the game yourself dusk there you played oh yeah hmm. i platinumed it oh, okay um and you loved it a lot I, I liked it a lot um i liked the first god of war i even liked the second one for a bit i did not like the third one so despite the really good combat i just didn't like the story and characters it was just I'm a big fan of Greek mythology mm. and kind of what they did to Greek mythology by the third game. I felt genuinely just up, like kind of upset about what they were doing. And God of War kind of dad of war for that one, the fourth game mm. brought me back, got me interested in this franchise again. And uh, 
uh, all the little surprises. And I know some people don't like the way the combat has changed and that the difficulty isn't as choice-heavy and platforming isn't there. From what I saw in the trailer, it does seem like they're adding a bit a more, even more variety than what was mm. in the first game. And that's very nice. I also like that they went to a shop with people. It's actually just people there that maybe we don't have to kill. Yeah, uh, yeah. That that's kind of a strength of of Dad of War. It finally made Kratos. It gave Kratos depth that none of the other uh, games really past did. the first game. Pa- past the first game, yeah. Uh, the sequels they kind of just made him anger guy kill everything. Yeah, he's basically Doom guy, but Doom guy had more compassion than Kratos did. Uh, <laughs> um. Yeah, and so with the action that you kind of see here, just showcasing it. So I like kind of, yeah, uh, I was very much a big fan of the fourth God of War, um, especially the action in it, um, especially the difficulty of it, um, like how you kind of go up and uh, the differences of it, of like, you know, the different type of enemies, like if you especially like the purple enemies and how you have to kind of upgrade your armor and your weapon. So they added very much mm-hmm. a heavy uh, RPG element to it. Um, so the way he kind of uses his axe, the way, you know, I love the way the axe, you throw it and it comes back to you. I fucking love that. That is awesome. Oh, it's so satisfying. And, oh, yeah. Every time. I'd, like, waste, like, minutes of the game just, like, throwing the axe and just calling it back to me. Just, oh, God. It's yeah. so good. Um, and actually, the creator of that, actually, he recently passed away. Uh, the guy who created that whole oh, mechanic, he, uh, he recently passed oh. away. Um, so, you know, rest in power to him, um, because, yeah, I mean, that was an amazing thing you did with that. Um, Kudos to you, brother. Kudos to you. Yeah. Um, and so you you kind of see some different moves there. You see him kind of throwing some chains and I'm I'm not talking about the blades of chaos. Uh, but he's kind of throwing his chains like scorpion here, kind of almost like the people and kind of pulling himself towards people. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's about time they actually utilize the chains that are permanently, like, semi-permanently burned i guess onto his skin no that was no he removed that after i guess yeah even though it was supposed to be permanently done uh yeah i mean he's he's an experienced spartan warrior after how many games he's been through i'm surprised and weapons he's utilized i'm surprised he didn't have a bigger weapon repertoire Mm, yeah um you also see kind of him using like a shield where he kind of throws the shield down a little bit like using it as like a Mm -hmm. quake kind of move there uh, which is pretty cool. You know, you see a little bit more different variety enemy types that you see, kind of like this, you know, lizard creature um, and everything like that. So, uh, yeah, the action still looks very, very much on par uh, with everything like that. Um, I just don't get people to say they just didn't like the fourth God of War. I hear some people say, like, they come up with crazy, crazy criticisms. Like, I, I, one time a I read... People are- a lot of people are wrong. So. Yeah, mm. like one person said. Like I remember there was a criticism. Like well, I asked him, so why don't you like God of War? He's like, oh, you you can't jump. I'm like, so you just hate the whole game? You can't, you can't jump. He's like, yeah, I just it, you can't jump. Why can't you jump? I'm like, well, okay. I mean, Jesus. Um, all right. Um, okay. And then one person I remember said it was boring. Like it's boring. Like I don't know how you get boring from the game, but okay. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited for it. It looks really great. Um, and there are two reasons, I guess, people are mad about this game. Um, the first reason is uh, the way Thor looks. People apparently don't like the way oh, Thor. Fuck. Oh. Uh, uh, some people don't like Big Thor. Um, I'm gonna put a picture of him up if nobody's seen it. So you know, they they released also a bunch of character designs. 
uh, for the people in the movie. So I'm just going to put it up here. Um, so, yeah, Thor, I mean, he's packed on that, that nice weight there, quarantine weight. Um, and a lot of people were saying, like, well, this guy just doesn't look like a warrior. He doesn't look like a fighter. Don't know how I mean, you get... He's a, he's a Viking. Yeah. He's a Viking. And even in Norse mythology, he's known for rings and eats. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a god. I mean, that's he... kind of what they do. I mean... Also, I think a lot of people's opinions or is uh, influenced by, you know, Marvel Studios and the fact that they got this giant fucking... 220 pounds hunk of man meat and Chris Hemsworth playing Thor for the last like uh, 10 years. Yeah. So, uh, I understand the feelings on the whole uh, Thor aspect mm. of him being a uh, slave rotund, but there's a difference between um, what they did in the MCU where it felt very insulting to the character mm. versus this where it's very clearly, uh, it's very clearly going for a Viking esque. Yeah, he's got a bit of a gut, but that's all that's all beer fat. That's all like if you look at his actual figure, you're not looking at the rest of his strength, upper muscles. Mm. That guy is going to kill you. Like yeah. I don't like he's, he's going to tear you apart, especially he's willing that heavy hammer and he's just doing it effortlessly. Mm. Thor even in like the mythological point of view, he was never the most handsome guy. Thor was known for one and one thing only. When he arrived, mostly ended in a titan's death or a giant's death mm. or the basically the party is over. Either has begun or ended because of Thor. Mm. That is what Thor is mostly known as, is the god of thunder. Mm. Yeah. So, um, and when you look I, at, whatever. Uh, I mean, we look at pictures like, for instance, like the world's strongest man. Uh, got a picture of him up right here. Yeah, it looks very much oh, like yeah. like that. I mean, like a very guy. Yeah, he yeah. looks like how Thor is drawn in the new God of War. Yeah, so that's so it's very clear to me that well, uh, Kratos has the uh, the what we consider to be oh, he's like super muscular. That's mm. that's very an athletic, more kind of muscular where it's worked on the abs. What. What Thor kind of has is what you would consider as the world, like what actual weightlifters and bodybuilders and these kind of people that lift incredible weights do. It's mm -hmm. all in the shoulders, upper ad abdomen areas, and you're just not going to see that because that's it's covered by just that fat over it. But that does not mean they don't have layers of muscle underneath it. It just mm -hmm. doesn't mean it's not. It's just not toned in that specific area because that's not important. It's not especially important to whatever else they're building. Yeah. So everything's uh, on the back and shoulders and legs. Yeah. Um, and uh, another reason people were kind of upset about here is apparently got a black character in the game. A lot of people complain about that. Um, since Dust, since you know a lot about kind of Norse mythology, it seems like here. Uh, so do you know about the characters uh, you have here of uh, Andrew Angabora? That's how you pronounce it? Or, is that the name of the character? Yeah. Uh, it's A N G R B O D A, Angaborda. Uh, oh, Angaborda. Mm, would you know that character at all? Uh, not by heart. Usually, what I know most about Norse mythology is about the sort of weird ass elves, mostly the frost giants, uh, Fenris, the world serpent. Some of the bigger aspects of the gods. Odin himself, because he's basically a wizard. 
mm. uh, Freya. Okay. Um, it says right here, so it says in North mythology, um, she is the mate of Loki and the mother of monsters. Um, and Oh, oh, that. Oh, you mean Ang- Angerboda. Angerboda. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she's the mother of Fenrir. Um, yeah, yes. As the, the mother... Wolf. Yeah, the yes, as the mother of three monsters: the wolf Fenrir, uh, the Midgard serpent, uh, yeah. and the Midgard serpent, and the ruler of dead hell. Um, so she's yeah, the mother of all three of these monsters here. Huh? Yeah, she is. Um, she's she's basically one of the giant giantesses from uh, Jotunheim. Hmm. Okay. And that's where it kind of got these three and uh, Jorgo and uh, uh, one of the root had. Uh, so hell is um so you remember how an mcu that was like mm-hmm. i'm hell i'm like thor uh, i'm um, odin's uh daughter mm-hmm. now in north mythology actually it's Lo- she's loki's daughter and mm-hmm. the mother of loki is that person so she birthed fenris who is the devourer of worlds mm-hmm. she birthed its brother, which is the World Serpent, which they both will annihilate themselves in, in Ragnarok. They hate each other. And then we got Hel, who resides over Helheim, the underworld. Mm. Who is also a half-giantess, half-god, basically. Yeah. Uh, because... So, Loki's got an interesting... Loki's, uh, she's got an interesting history. Um, I don't know. I haven't met her character. Mm. And I don't know what they're going to interpret her as. But from Norse mythology, she's mostly designed as a giantess of a woman. And she's seen as both someone who is very, I suppose, kind-esque for, her, for being a giantess and incredibly fierce. So she's basically like just kind of like a, a giantess warrior-esque. But also very kind of almost like Freya-esque. Mm. I care more about the uh, wilds and woods and stuff. More wilds and woods specifically. Okay. How that's going to fit with a... Uh, how that's going to fit with her characteristic and her relationship with Loki will be interesting. Uh, I don't know what they'll do, but I'm going to probably guarantee there weren't a lot of African-Americans in North mythology. Right. Um, if you're going by specifically I, mythology. Uh, I mean... I mean, the Vikings, they did kind of take the best genes from wherever they conquered. Who sure. knows? Maybe they took a trip to Africa. Yeah, maybe. Uh, all I know, man, is... Uh, I don't know if the original Norse character had red hair. Mm. Uh, but if I had to bet my bottom dollar, <laughs> I guarantee Angabora was redheaded, and they decided, we don't like redheads, so we're going to cast a black woman. Hmm. Maybe let's see. They've done it a lot. Uh, I'm gonna see. I'm gonna look up some images. So I have um, her from the video game um, here up mm-hmm. up up there. So it looks like she's around the same age as Atreus. Uh, looks like, and she's just like regular yeah. size there. That's what it looks like. Um, while I'm pulling up pictures of uh, her from uh, Norse mythology, how they depict her. Um, so the character at the end, where you know he stands up and like is. Uh, basically towering over Kratos. Uh, Kratos, you know who that is. I can't see the image at that point. Uh, I got the image right there on the screen right now. Um, 
it's right there, just at the very end of the trail. I got the image on screen. Oh, Tyr. He's a uh, he's a uh, oh Tyr. He's the god of war. He's the god of war. Oh, okay. For Norse mythology. Yeah, for Norse mythology. Yeah, that's Tyr. He's for Norse mythology. Also known as the more specifically, he's the god of peace, by by warfare. Oh, okay. If need be. So he's like peacemaker. He'll kill every woman and child yeah. for peace. Okay. <laughs> Well, no, he's more like, I'm going to go to different realms, learn about them, and understand what they are, so we don't have to. But if I do have to fight, he's the anti-Kratos, basically. I'm actually mm. going to take my time and understand things before I get involved in war. But yeah, when he's I do... Not, yeah, he's not as uh, as uh, reckless as Kratos could be. He's, I think he's more calculated in Norse mythology. Yeah, the thing about... The interesting thing about Norse mythology is it's kind of hard to pick on exactly what's ha uh, what characters look like, what whatever. This mm. is a new interpretation, so F it, man. Uh, as long as the character's good, mm. as long as the character is not, uh, at least sticks to whatever their character-esque is, I've got no problems. Yeah. Make make them whatever. Um, Same. You, as long as you as long as you make a good game with good writing and some good action mechanics, I do not give a shit. Um, yeah. So you were right. So Angabor. Oh, so were dark elves, right? They were like dark elves in the first game. So mm -hmm. sure, why not? Um, so yeah, you were right. So uh, yeah, Angabor, she's portrayed as having red hair. I got pictures up right here. Yeah. Of uh, looking her up here from yeah. mythology. Yeah. So yeah. So she's portrayed as yeah. Yeah, they tend to do that. They did that with Mary Jane and Spider-Man, although they backpedaled on that and said she's not an MJ anymore. She's just a different MJ. Uh, they did, they've done that with Zendaya for the new Dune movie. They did it with uh, Jimmy Olsen for Supergirl. Jimmy? Correct. They love just destroying redheads. Don't they have enough? They already don't have souls. <laughs> why are you going to break them down, man? Uh. It's hard enough. Haven't they suffered enough? There's one picture here where it has like a Loki, like where it looks like Tom Hilston Loki with like uh, mm -hmm. a burger there. It's a nice design there. Tom looks like that. Um, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, um, I, you know, can't wait for the game to come out. Can't wait to see it. Can't wait to see what they do. Uh, looks very, very good. Uh, yeah, they, they knocked it out of the park last time. Yeah. For very sure. Yeah. Um, all right. So, moving on from the PlayStation Showcase here, we're going to get into What If, uh, Episode 5. So, this is the zombie episode of What If. Um, here, um, the uh, people from Ant-Man fucking up things again uh, for the universe. <laughs> when it's, whenever something goes wrong, you can probably blame Hank Pym. Yeah. Um, so, in this one, so a zombie... Just like, how, just, just like, how, yeah, just like how Tony Stark keeps creating new Spider-Man villains. Uh, Hank Pym creeps, keeps creating new apocalypses. Uh, um, did anybody? So, did you guys ever read the What If uh, comics uh, before the Zombies comics specifically? Uh, I read a few of the. I've I read a few kind of standalone issues of uh, of the What If comics. I read, I think, a couple volumes of Marvel Zombies, but I think Marvel Zombies it's more portrayed as like a joke. It's like a joke comic. It's like Okay, how far can we take this? Especially hiring uh, Robert Kirkman to write and uh, to write uh, Marvel Zombies. Oh, I didn't know he wrote the Marvel Zombies. Okay, that's very interesting. Mm -hmm. um, there. So, um, so with this one, so the surviving kind of crew um, of the zombie apocalypse that happens because it gets introduced with Mark Ruffalo 
um, you know, being dropped from space, you know, the Hulk. Uh, very much so, it's basically yep, that, the start that, of... Yeah that, yeah, that same scene from uh, Infinity War, where he's, like, dropped back into, back into the Sanctum Santorum. Except, this time, it's empty. The streets are completely empty. Yeah, uh, you know, to me, there's a much, much larger threat there. Um, you know, and everybody's basically turned to a zombie thanks to Hank Pym going in when he tried to save his wife. Um, she had been infected by a quantum virus that turned her into a zombie. She infected him. They came back and then they proceeded to infect everybody, um, uh, on earth. Um, so the surviving kind of crew that you have that are fighting against that are trying to find a cure. You have Spider-Man here who is voiced by Josh Keaton. Who people know he? Oh, it's a, it's actually not Josh Keaton uh, oh. doing the voice. That was some that was some stuff that leaked and it caught traction. And uh, Keaton signed an NDA, so he of course he can't really uh, uh, say no, guys. It's not me. Oh, okay. Yeah, he, he's voiced instead by uh, by his actor uh, Hudson Thames, who I did not catch that it wasn't Tom Holland for a while. Mm. Yeah, he does sound. Yeah, yeah he did kind of, kind of get a little bit kind of Tom Holland as well. There, those vibes as well. Um, I'm curious as why they just didn't have Tom Holland do the voice since he's signed already with you know Marvel. He's going to do more stuff with them anyway. Um, I'm curious why they just didn't have him come in and do the voice. Uh, but um, so you have Spider Man, um, you have the Wasp. So you got Hope Van Dyne. Um, is Hope Van Dyne voiced by Evangeline Lilly, or is it voice? It looks like it sounded like it was someone I else. I think she is. Mm. Uh, nope, it's her voice, Evangeline Lilly. Okay, so it's Evangeline Lilly there. You also yeah, have pr- pretty much everybody, everybody except uh, uh, Tom Holland and uh, Chris Evans came back to do voices. So it's all the uh, cast from the MCU. Mm, okay, um, so. So you have, uh, yeah, so you have the Wasp, Hope Van Dyne, you have Spider-Man, um, you have Okoye, uh, you know, and you also have the character from uh, Ant-Man, you have Kurt, who was the Baba Yaga guy, the Russia guy, you got him here. Oh, Dave, Dave, David fucking Dasmalchian, a.k.a. the real-life Walker. Yeah, um, and also Happy Hogan as well, he's here, Sharon Carter's here. Uh, the Winter Soldier, Bucky's here. Um, so they're kind of like the surviving crew there that's left. It's interesting, the, p- the people they pick to be a part of the kind of the survivors there. Um, that was kind of interesting. And then you see what happens to the Avengers. They come out all heroic, like, okay, guys, get ready. And then all of a sudden it's just over like that. It just They just get overrun in seconds. Um, you know, I thought that was kind of funny. Um, that was pretty good there. <laughs> Um, but, um, yeah, so that was kind of interesting. They kind of, the people they chose there and then how they're, you know, it's like kind of that zombie movie thing of them trying to go to a location. I think we hear that there's a cure. We can go here. We go find it. Um, and it kind of was kind of the setup for this episode. Uh, what did you guys think about it? Ooh, damn this. I just love, uh, I'm absolutely loving this series. I, I wasn't too crazy about the first episode, but since then, every single one passed that, has been of great to spectacular for me. This one especially. Uh, this one because you have this sandbox where you can play around and there's no consequences to your story. You can do basically anything you want. And th- it does get a little zombie tropey, but I think uh, uh, the animation and the voice ca- and the performances from the voice cast, it's it's they keep it light enough while at the same time being so grim 
that it's become a great standalone zombie short. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Dusk, what about you? So, uh, I thought it was fine. I appreciated the little comedy moments. It's very clear. The original what ifs for the zombies in the whole zombie thing is very gory in the comics. Mm. Really, really gory. It's also really dark and really screwed up. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. Marvel Zombies. It got really edge lordy. Really, it me. did. Really, kind of not. It, so it started off as kind of like a fun what if series, and mm-hmm. then it got real. Uh, the, kind of in the border a lot. It got really early, like you said, to large lordy, where it was like, oh, this isn't fun anymore. Mm. Yeah, this was fun at first. Now it's not fun. I'm just watching people suffer. I'm mm-hmm. watching. Uh, uh, what was it like? This it's like that dumb anime, the one where like zombie, like zombie high school or something like that. And mm-hmm. It's like a guy who used to who used to draw hentai ma- manga, and then they gave him an anime series, and so it's like sexual esque, but people are dying horribly. It's just not. Yeah, it's just like this isn't fun. You missed the point. Mm-hmm. Uh, what have you this, thought about? On the other hand, you oh. had. Uh, what have you thought about what if kind of like over overall like if the episodes in general like if you had to rank them so honestly most of the, so my major problem regardless of how well the, the the specials are what ifs to me always seem like they're kind of like fun but they're always fun little small ideas cuz ultimately mm-hmm. when you remove the whole point of a character and say oh what if star lord was actually t'challa and then this and like okay that's cool that's a neat like what if this can't go any further than that little what if though because we created a character in a universe and it defeats the point if this didn't happen and because that didn't happen none of this happens and maybe makes for a less inferior story yeah but that's kind of the point of what oh no i know oh i know and how does that affect the rest of this? Sure, sure, sure. No, no, no. I, I completely, I completely get that. But even just from, I'm just, I'm just explaining from that point of view. I've always kind of like a, eh. So I've always approached it with an eh kind of thing. If that's your thing, that's cool. I thought overall they did a solid job. I think probably my far- favorite was probably Peggy Carter, just because I like Peggy Carter as a character, and it's like, well, at least you got to make our old boy, uh, old boy Captain America proud kept on doing stuff um the second one i wasn't too big of a fan on but the third one was not bad and then the, the zombies one i like peter parker i like the dynamic that he had with um wasp they kind of had like a brother sister vibe going on and it was really nice it was nice seeing other characters interact that usually we haven't seen them really interact mm-hmm. yeah so if that if that if not just for that alone it was it's interesting it's an interesting watch for the most point for the what ifs they're just little neat little vignettes that you can be like oh well you know it's interesting to see what these characters would have done in this scenario mm. would i watch them again eh, not necessarily they were like a nice little they're a nice little oh okay maybe once mm-hmm. in a while i'll, I'll watch them yeah, I think a lot. Of, I think with a lot of these what ifs, there's like a very interesting route that that a Marvel could take. I mean, there are some stories that I would 
that they very well could follow up with. Like, yeah. I would love to see. Uh, they do kind of hint how a sequel to this zombie storyline will go towards the end, but they they also hint that some of these stories are going to interact later. Like in one of the teasers, you see uh, uh, the evil Doctor Strange interacting with Peggy Carter. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, to see kind of where this series is going to go because we have three, what, four more episodes left? Because uh, yeah, and- uh, yeah, four more episodes from this season, and it looks like it's already confirmed second. Mm, yeah, well, that makes sense. I mean, it looks like you know they're going to do a second season of this, um, given how much interest there is for this show. Um, you know, with this episode, I think it did have good, you know, kind of gore in it. Uh, you know, as much as they can kind of get. Yeah, it, it got as gory as you could, while as gory as digital allow it to go. Yeah. As gore- hey, as long as the blood isn't red, then you can get as gory. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, because some reason. Yeah, because some reason the MPAA is totally cool with that. Yeah, it's like yeah. yeah there's Night- it's green blood or nightmare blood. It's all good as long as it's not red. Um, yeah. Um, Samurai Jack got past all the censors. No, yeah. Um, so I mean, yeah. So I think it it, it kind of was as gory as you know you can expect it to be. Uh, to be on Disney Plus, uh, you know, cartoons. So be Marvel. You know, it's probably as good as you're gonna get that way. Um, and I mean, and they, they, I mean, they do some good deaths. I mean, they split, I mean, the Falcon in half, you know what I mean? Uh, Koi does that. <laughs> um, and, you know, that was kind of a funny moment, you know, where she talked to, you know, to Bucky about it and, you know, him and Bucky kind of got like a, a rivalry kind of going on, uh, who can win Cap's, uh, <laughs> Cap's heart the fastest. It, it, oh, it was like that fucking joke. I was like, yes, very sad. Anyway. Yeah. Um, and Elijah, Elijah's in the chat. He says, uh, my two cents. I feel this way. Uh, this was my most anticipated episode with super let me down. Uh, the Marvel humor and the grim setting absolutely does not mix Peter Parker and other characters barely express loss or emotion. So that's a very interesting point. Yeah, that, that, Elijah, that actually I, I, is a great I, point. Yeah, that's a good point. But I think a lot of that is owed to short runtime. I feel like this episode, it could 20 minutes. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of feel that way with a lot of the what if episodes. Um, I feel like with a lot of the what if episodes, I think the the one episode that really utilized the thirty minute space the best is the second episode. I think that one, like mm. you really just because it was like an episode kind of like, um, you know, a little bit like a Firefly or something like that, where it's just like okay, short like a little space adventure. It was simple concept, the heist, boom, you get done. And then the other ones is like I think you need to attack on a little bit ten more minutes, twenty more minutes, you know this. I think this probably needed a little bit more time to kind of flush out a lot more stuff. And you know a lot of the stuff, a lot of the moments in here are supposed to be like a lot of very serious moments, especially you know between like Bucky and Cap. You know you know how close that relationship mm. is, and I don't think you really felt the impact of that of you know Bucky having to get rid of Cap. I don't think you felt that as much impact. You know he leaves kind of with a little kind of line of where he goes kind of like it's in the end of the line which is supposed to be like a real emotional moment between the two of them there that, that connection that they have and i just don't think you feel that in this yeah, and, and yeah i think the episode's too short so you can't really feel the weight of a, a lot of characters because in true in true zombie film fashion a lot of characters die in this yeah, you know, I'll, you know, like you see a lot of kind of surviving kind of members, the people you get introduced to, they kind of get picked off one by one, like a zombie film. 
uh, when they finally go, because we're going to do spoilers for this episode um, as well. We're going to get into kind of spoilers as well. So when they finally, you know, it, you know, go and, and think like, okay, we're going to be safe. We're going to find this cure there. Um, uh, when they're going to be doing that, um, the vision is there, and uh, vision is there, and he kind of is basically luring them into a huge trap. And, uh, you know, and then you also see Scott Lane there, who's basically got his Futurama head going on, just in a glass <laughs> jar. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, okay uh, yeah, Elijah, he brought up the with the grim setting. With uh, Scott Lang's Ant-Man, that didn't bother me one bit. I, I, I just love the character of Scott Lang, and especially uh, all the dad jokes. I laughed. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Hmm, yeah. Um... So, and, that's, and that's a thing that they bring up in the episode, like uh, that conversation with uh, between Hope and uh, Peter. It's like, how do you stay so upbeat? Hey, mm-hmm. uh, you got to keep smiling for them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought, yeah, and like like Dust mentioned, the, the interaction that characters have that you don't really see interact, like the Wasp and like Spider-Man. So you haven't really seen, I don't think they have a scene where they've ever interacted before. So to see them kind of you know interact no. you know interact here that was kind of cool and to see like it's kind of like you know kind of big sister little brother type of relationship a little bit there um, of hope really trying to lead things and and uh, you know hope I think you know can be a better or bigger character than she is right now hopefully you know as things continue oh, with the MCU oh. yeah make make no mistake she is the she is the big she is the baddest motherfucker in the Ant Man and both. Uh, uh, the first one in Ant Man and the Wasp, they make no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Yeah, um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to see her play, you know, bigger role, like in in the like the Avengers films and more in there. Yeah, I'd love it, to see her there. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Not just for uh, for Jonathan Majors. I'm hyped to see her Quantum Mania. Yeah, um, and so when they kind of get there, meet Vision. Uh, you know, they learn of what he's been doing. So that's always kind of like a horror movie, zombie movie thing. You find out there's some psycho who's been keeping, you know, maybe one of the zombies there and like maybe there's a relative, a loved one mm-hmm. that they've been feeding him. That's always kind of like a common zombie movie thing. Um, she's been, you know, you know, she's been feeding, uh, you know, he's been um, feeding Scarlet Wish some dark meat. He'd been cutting off uh, T'Challa. Um, you know, he'd been getting the chicken leg, uh, getting the like, guy's thigh meat been going on, been feeding her that. Um, and, uh, so you, you kind of have that who took, you know, Shala again is voiced by Chadwick Boseman in this. Um, he's going to be in some more episodes up down the line. What did you guys think of the ending and where it kind of, uh, led to there? Uh, I didn't have an issue with the ending. Uh, I think it did a good job of showing how, how intimidating the vision could be. And a lot of what's, uh, of what led him to the light was, uh, uh, was the influence of, of Banner and Tony in his in his initial introduction, and a lot of what helped him was his love for Wanda. And I think uh, when it's corrupted, like when she becomes a zombie, and he some and that happens. Like sometimes that character in zombie movies can't bring themselves to do the right thing and put him down. Does hmm. um yeah, pretty much what Nick said. Mm, yeah um and you know just very much in zombie movie fashion you think like just when they have that hope that hope gets snatched away again where you see a zombie thanos waiting for them in wakanda it makes me think though them with five or six infinity stones yeah 
It, but I had a question kind of about that. Like, the whole reason Thanos went to Wakanda with, in the first place was because Vision was there. So, like, why would he be there mm. and Vision wasn't there because he's looking for the for the Mind Stone? So I was kind of wondering about that. Um, if, if I guess he was well, tracking them well, already? Well, in this, I think it's implied that a lot of the, the zombies, they still retain, like, memories and stuff. It's why a lot of them can still. It's why a lot of the super zombies can still use their power. Like like Zombie Strange and Wong, they're still using magic. Hmm. Okay. Um. So is it a situation where so Thanos was tracking them all the way to Wakanda, and he knew that they were going to come with the Mind Stone, and like he'd been tracking the Mind Stone. I I I think so. Could be a plot hole, but. At the same time, that that a last shot is so cool that I I wouldn't take it away. Okay. Yeah, I mean and that's I, a common thing in zombie films, especially uh, the most recent example I can think of is a uh, uh, Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead, where they get on the boat and they get to the island, but a home movie reveals that hey, it's already overrun. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I was thinking the exact same thing. Yeah, watching that scene, they're very much like that scene. Yeah, and Dawn, Zack Snyder's uh, Dawn of the Dead, which we reviewed. Uh, with Army of the Dead, uh, very while back, uh, for, for Zack Snyder looking at his catalog there. Um, you know, this episode over, I think it's pretty good. I mean, as far as ranking the episodes so far, um, I still have the T'Challa episode as number one for me. Uh, I think this is probably number three. The Doctor Strange episode is number two. And um, what episode, what other episode am I missing there? It, it was. The one, um, oh, the assassin murder mystery episode. Um, that was for me, uh, the fourth, and then I'd say the Peggy Carter episode for me was the last one. Um, yeah, uh, any final thoughts on it? Um, this episode, yeah, I, I think that I think, uh, this is probably my third favorite episode of the ones that have come out. I'd put it, uh, four, uh, four, three, five, two, one, but even all of them, uh, besides uh, the Peggy Carter episode, I give them. Uh, eight and a eight and above. Mm, okay. What about for you, Desk? You think this is a pretty strong episode for you? It is um one of the more at least trying to be ballsy episodes, mm. and I'll give it that. Uh, I'm almost kind of like, if you can't go all the way with it, why bother? But I understand that. Hey, this is just what they wanted to try and do, and why not? So. Mm. I don't know. The whole the whole what ifs have been kind of okay. I haven't had a, like a, a a great or bad reaction to any of them, so I'm like okay, they're all pretty good. Uh, I'll give them all. They're mostly just six out of tens to me. Mm. Even okay. stuff that I like. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I haven't been really too blown away by what if episodes, but I think they're just fun. I mean, I think it's what. You know they are kind of a right. joy to watch, and I think that's what kind of what these are supposed to be. Um, they're not supposed to be maybe something that you'd see on the level of like their live action shows, like WandaVision or you know uh, Captain America uh, and the Winter Soldier. You know, a thing of Loki. It's supposed to be a nice kind of enjoyable kind of stuff that you're supposed to consume and go like, oh, this is a fun kind of thing. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, moving on from discussing what if uh, we are going to get into malignant. Uh, Malignant is James Wan, Return to Horror, uh, written and directed by him. 
Um, here in this film, you have Madison, who is paralyzed by shocking visions of grisly murders, and her torment worsens as she discovers that these walking demons are in fact terrifying realities. So um, here you kind of starts off with a woman um, in Madison who is pregnant. Um, she's in a you see she's in an abusive relationship with her husband named Derek. Um, they get into mm-hmm. a physical altercation. Um, then there's a scene that happens where she kind of you know goes to sleep. Um, and then all of a sudden you see kind of this creature in the night come and murder her husband. And this kind of sets off kind of this mystery of whether she did it and these continuous murders that kind of happen all of that surrounding her. Um, and, you know, it's kind of nice to see kind of James Bond more return to his roots. Um, he started off with Saw, which was, you know, horror, which we talked about. We did a whole kind of Saw retrospective when we discussed Spiral um, starring Chris Rock. Um, you know, he's, you know, since kind of horror movies, that's kind of launched his career. And he's also started, you know, big horror franchises like The Conjuring and Insidious. Um, mm. He's also kind of gone on to do superhero films. He did the Aquaman film. Um, he's also <clears throat> been a part of the Fast and Furious franchise as well. He directed Furious 7. So, you know, he's, you know, so he's kind of returning back to his roots with this uh, film and Malignant. Um, so what were you kind of guys' general kind of feelings about the movie yourself there? Okay, so me, I I think everything I love about one horror movies is Kieran Spades. The cinematography is gorgeous. The the a lot of the scares they're beautifully crafted. And I really love the performance from uh, our lead Annabelle Wallace. Uh, I think she's fantastic in this movie. Mm. But I think the best way to watch this movie is to go in cold because I only saw, I only barely remember the initial trailer that came out, and I did not watch a single thing else besides that. Mm. And this movie takes a turn that I did not see coming, and I fucking adored. Mm. However, I think the film is a little too slow-paced until that happens. Yeah. Uh, Dusk, what about you, man? Uh, Dusk? I am mostly oh. in agreement with uh, Mr. Nick. I think James Wan has always had an eye for cinematography. He knows what, what to shoot. He's good at showing um, gory moments and using CGI to his kind of advantage. I think uh, he's good also as just a practical director. He knows when to kind of pull back and be low-key on some things. My biggest takeaway from this movie is, while... You are absolutely right. There's a lot of twists in this movie, and you want to go absolutely cold. You don't want to even watch anything. You just want to go in completely cold, because this is a wild ride. At the end of the day, the wild ride is kind of a mess, and it's just it's just not scary. Not every movie has to be scary. Like, no. barely, horror movies barely are scary. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so with this movie right here, um, I would say James Wan, you know, he's very good at making, you know, nice, effective kind of horror stuff. You know, he's very professional, the way it looks, the way it's shot, that looks very well, that looks very good. Um, you know, the lead here in, uh, Annabelle, uh, Wallace, who plays Madison, I don't know, she wasn't really doing it for me that much in the movie myself. I didn't really think she was that captivating as the lead here. Um, I didn't think she was all that strong. Um, I think the film, um, 
it, it has very elements from his other horror stuff. Like the, the, the detectives in this feel very reminiscent of like the detectives you would see in a Saw movie. Like the way they act, the way they talk. It's just like you know, the kind of the kind of corny dialogue between the the both of the detectives is very familiar to that. The way you know they kind of they go around there. I thought it was like this is very very kind of familiar. Something you would see in like the first couple of Saw movies or the Saw franchise. Um, the twist that Nick mentioned that comes, you know, a lot of kind of the the, the way it goes. Um, yeah, I didn't I didn't kind of see that coming, but when I when it happened, I was like, okay, I don't know. That's just kind of stupid to me. Um, you know, when the when the reveal kind of gets made, I don't know. Maybe people are gonna think it's cool. Maybe people are not not gonna think it's cool. Uh, but I just thought it was kind of stupid. Um, I think that the kind of violence in it is really good, especially you know towards the ending. Um, I, I think that you know there's there's a, there's actually a really really great scene at the at the at the end of this movie where uh, like something happens where the character just unleashes and it's like a, a jail scene and I was like that was really good and that's some really good choreography there. Um, uh, but um, so. But I still think, like it's like you said, what Dust mentioned, sloppy of a movie, kind of all the way through for me. Didn't really hold my interest. It being scary or not scary. I mean, I don't really judge horror movies too much if it's scary or not. I mean, I don't really get mm-hmm. too scared in horror movies or anything like that. Um, but even though a movie I'm about to talk about when we do Best Of did do a really good job at, 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 at kind of creeping me mm-hmm. out very well. Um, I think the supporting cast... Not very strong actors. I don't think there's any real recognizable name in here that I, I recognize. I think you know the the woman uh, who played her sister in this. I'm trying to find her name. Um, she was kind of the worst to me. I thought she was kind of really, <laughs> really bad. Oh, like her, yeah, Matt, Maddie Hans, yeah, Maddie Hassan. Uh, she plays the sister character, and yeah, she's kind of weak. Uh, a majority of the cast is pretty weak. Let, yeah. let's be honest. But that was never. Mm. But besides uh, the Conjuring. And- Insidious. That the acting was never a strong suit in uh, James Wan's horror movies. Yeah, no. um, yeah. So I, but I yeah. Mean, if we, even if we go all the way back to the Saw movies, <laughs> mm, yeah. So yeah, a lot, of, a lot of the acting in this is yeah, kind of weak from the supporting people um, as well. But um, so for me, um, I'm kind of glad I saw it. You know, kind of on HBO Max and. You know, some of the I think some stuff like I said, some of the action scenes are, are really good here that are very well shot, are very well core, are very interesting to watch. Um, I think that um, the way the movie looks is very good. I like the transition scenes where she kind of like there's, there's sometimes where you know she kind of goes into this trance state that you see a little bit, or she kind of you know you think it's like what is this, and it, the whole kind of you know uh, world around her kind of goes in kind of darkness and it fades away. I think that looks kind of cool. I think that looks pretty nice. Um, but for me, overall, overall, it just didn't really captivate me all that much. I mean, I'd give it maybe mm-hmm. a light 6 out of 10, 5 maybe out of 10 for me. What about you guys? What do you, what do you think? Uh, for me, I, I think the the movie is a little too slow-paced. I think uh, I, I think with, uh, with this film, I think James Wan chose to go more style than substance. Mm-hmm. Which uh, I think in Insidious and The Conjuring, he managed to find that perfect balance, along with just the incredible cast of actors that are in both of those movies. I don't think he gets that same level here. Uh, I think the film's a little too slow-paced, the dialogue's a little corny, but when that third act reveal happens and the movie goes insane, I was 100% on board with it. But it takes... A little too long for it to get there, so I'd say for me this is a soft six and a half out of 
Mm. What about you? When I said the the movie wasn't necessarily scary, that wasn't a point against it. That mm, was just okay. kind of like a cherry on top of the other things. Mm. You can take the cherry off of ice cream. That doesn't <laughs> matter. Mm, okay. I, I think horror ultimately does need to have some form of terror or at least some form of fear in it. But in the absence of that fear you can still have other really interesting elements that make up for it. As long as there's stuff inserted to fit and something is removed, it can work. I, uh, I agree uh, mostly with you, Nick, um, up to that, uh, and you as well. Um, I, I agree mostly on both your sides. I'm kind of in this weird middle where hmm. I mostly fall in the middle between you two, where it's like... Uh, yes, he has a lot of good technical stuff, and I did like him kind of going back to his kind of roots. But I also agree with you, Nick. It's very style over substance, where he didn't quite find the balance I was hoping for, and the performances weren't except uh, that exceptional. But that can be sometimes forgiven for certain horror movies because his his movies aren't necessarily known for the greatest of acting. It's always been like yeah. the craft in which he put on. So now I'm not saying all of them are bad. And I do think mm -hmm. the main character did um, a, a very solid job, honestly, for the most part. Mm -hmm. She acted just very deranged and like just as confused as the audience, honestly. And that is also very helpful. I think the setting is very interesting, but it does get boring at paces. But then that ending, <laughs> that twist, <laughs> and that ending, and I'm like, uh, I, 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 you, you came back. You came back from like a five, yeah, even a four. Yeah, the the movie almost lost me completely till that third act. I, I think I was like like a at a three or five before yeah, that third okay. act happened. And then it's like it's almost like with Cher with because you pulled that because you pulled that and it's so ridiculous and so like doesn't make any sense. And yet you go with it with complete earnesty. I'm kind of in the middle where it's like it almost it doesn't redeem it, but mm. it. I can't. I kind of with you guys. It's it's like a, I almost you kind of want to appeal the people just to see it, just to see what the heck I just saw. So yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I gotta give it like just a slightly above average, a six. I gotta give it like just just a plain old, almost dipping into five. But it just made it. It's it just <laughs> made it. It's a slightly above average, if it, only it, for it, that. It's it's like a three or four. Uh, uh, yeah. The first two acts are like a three or a four. Yeah. But that third act is at like a it's, nine for me, <laughs> just it, for purely for entertainment value. I um. It 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 just it was like that. Extra, it's like a four, almost a three to me, and it got like two and a half points. <laughs> so it's like it rides that five point five. But I'm gonna be generous. Get to six because I'm in a good mood. But mm. like in a couple of days, I might fall back to a five. But it still it could have been a three. It, it, <laughs> because of that, it, it it made it to yep, just slightly yeah. above mediocre. Yeah, for me, it's exactly uh, it's released exactly in a format that I think it's gonna be more kindly regarded. Like if I paid money to see this, then oh, I'd yeah. probably be a lot. Uh, a lot more disappointing with it, but I watched the shit at home in yeah, bed, same. cuddled up with my girl and my dog. Yeah, so I'm 
on Gucci. It's exactly where it should be. Yeah. Uh, you know. Uh, you know what? I'm, I, I am gonna stick. I'm. I'm gonna go with a five. It's just gonna be okay. five. I'm gonna stick with that. That's the one I feel the most comfortable. It's just okay. Saved. Saved from like the abyss of I'm not gonna remember anything of these, <laughs> these forgettable horror movies that I've like seen. Have, it's like you have a crappy two thirds, right. and then just one manages to stick the right. landing. Like you're closing that door, you're like, all right, I'm just gonna forget about that. Wait, what? And you just like before the door closes, something else, and you're like, oh, oh, we're gonna do that. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Shit. Okay. How are we gonna do this? All right. Um, I'm gonna remember it. I, I also say like what, what drags this movie down is also like the music choices and like it's very horror movie yeah. music. Right. Like, yeah. Right. It is horror movie music. And uh, tell me if you guys uh, thought this too. But didn't some of the scores sound like it's just "Where Is My Mind" by the Pixies? Hmm. I'd have to go back and listen oh. to it. I'd have to go back check it yeah. out. Yeah. You've got. Every time I like heard those four notes, I I was just so distracted. Wait, is that is that I the thought... fucking Pixies? <laughs> I mean, it would not surprise me that he's a fan of the Pixies. Mm. They are a solid band. Yeah, they're they a, nice a great band. band and having a good year. They're they were yeah, in, that's uh, true. They did featured come back. prominently. Fear Street, The Suicides. Yeah, that's true. You know what? I didn't even think about that. Yeah, you're right. They did have a really good great comeback. It, it's kind of um, like 2017, where every single movie. Hmm. But you kind of you cut out there, Nick, for a second. Cut out there. Would oh, you... it's kind of like a twenty-seven, kind of back in uh, twenty seventeen, where like four big release movies in a row all prominently featured John Denver. Oh yeah, you're right. Oh yeah. Oh shit. Yeah, but I mean, people, you you'll know because like there's scenes that happen that are the big horror scenes, and you go like horror movie music plays really loud, and it's. Like these chords that play really loud in it. It's like just to let you know this is a horror scene yeah. and we're gonna play yeah, this shit loud, crank it up. It's that like... reminded me of that reminded me of the second it movie. Hmm, they okay. kept doing that too, where it's like it was a spooky scene. And even the first two movies, that was one of the big gripes I had about it. Spooky scene. We're gonna just have loud music or loud things going on because it's scary and it's like, no. Just let it be silent or let it be droning. Like let yeah. me be terrified. <laughs> The scary things are happening, except for the second one where he says, like, a Paul Bunyan fucking statue and he's just floating down. <laughs> okay, that shit was fucking ridiculous. It was. That was hilarious, though. I laughed. Yeah. I'm like, all right. Um, yeah. yeah, man. That's okay, Malignant. Yeah, but Malignant, um, if you got HBO Max, check it out, but it's not really worth going to a theater to see. Yeah. If you're if you're gonna see um if you're gonna see a movie poster with a nail going into somebody somebody's eye, <laughs> uh, you you're honestly better off playing Evil Within. If you're... you don't know what that is, <laughs> look that up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. So we're gonna do real quick. Uh, just our best of of the year so far. Uh, year's almost coming to a close. Um, and then me and Nick and Dusk, if you know he wants to chime in with some of the movies that he's seen, uh, we're just gonna go sure. uh, discuss our kind of best movies of the year so far. Kind of let uh, Dusk and let us know what he kind of thinks of our picks or if he's got some of his own. Um, so how you want to do it, Nick? You want to do back and forth, uh, like bottom to top, um, and then do it that way, or do you just want? Uh, yeah, that yeah yeah uh, that works for me. So, yeah, bottom to top uh, of the year so far. Okay, um, and then you just yeah, want to go back and forth. Yeah, back and forth. Okay. All right. So I'll go first here. So for me, I have uh, The Green Knight. Uh, The Green Knight 
It's the film starring Dev mm. Patel. Um, it was a film I saw. It's the A24 film. It's kind of a very much kind of anticipated film. A lot of people say this is the film bros. This is their uh, Black Panther. Um, you know what I mean? <laughs> this is a chance for them. Uh, emotionally high anticipated film. Yep, it's a fucking, a fucking army of scarves and berets in the middle of summer just flocking to movie theaters. Yeah, um, th- yeah. This is yeah. This is their, <laughs> this is their Black Panther. Um, this is a story based off of the uh, pr- Arthurian legend. Pretty, sh- pretty sure, pretty sure Martin Scorsese masturbates to this trailer because it's so cinema. Yeah, I mean, this is hey, perfect cinema uh, art. This is as you, you like, my friend. As you like, uh, we're not here to kink shame. <laughs> no, um, gorgeous looking movie. Great performances in it. A great score in it. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, the movie can be kind of slow paced, uh, at times, um, uh, movies definitely not for everybody. Definitely. Um, it, you mm-hmm. know, it's a movie I'd like to see again, I'd like to read the poem again, or just read the poem period, um, in order to get kind of all the references, the themes, the metaphors, um, that are kind of throughout the movie, uh, because, you know, there's a kind of a lot of symbolism, I think, you know, in here and used in here that is very well done. Um, and, yeah, I mean, really kind of you know, fantastic movie. A chance for you just to really go see it, just to, I think, just see something different in the movie theater. See something that's mm-hmm. not your regular kind of blockbuster film or even just kind of indie drama. Um, you know, just kind mm-hmm. of a chance to see something that will kind of just shake up things for you. Um, uh, Nick, what yeah. about you? Yeah, this is yeah, this is one of the movies that's kind of like on my list that I haven't seen yet. Uh, but moving on to my list, uh, my number five of the year so it's a movie we talked about last week, Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Uh, I think it's probably uh, has some of the best action sequences in the MCU. Uh, amazing performance, uh, introduction to a character by a uh, Simu Liu, and uh, a really sympathetic performance from tony lung one of the greatest actors to ever come out of hong kong and i can't say enough about how much this movie means to me as an asian american to see a a 200 million dollar blockbuster movie starring a cast featuring mostly people that look like me and the fact that it's doing so well in the box office now is just cherry on top for me Mm. yeah uh we talked about the we talked about the movie last week um and we gave our kind of opinions on it you can check it out in that very kind of long pod that we put up there we also had the clip of just a short review um we talked about shang chi for about an hour uh we were kind of talking about that movie uh back and forth about it uh with guest chill and elijah and uh yeah i mean really great martial arts movie i thought um then for me i just didn't like the ending didn't like what it really turned into um Mm -hmm. thought that kind of ruined which was you know kind of you, you had a really great martial arts movie, and I think kind of the ending kind of lived down there, but still a solid movie I liked. Um, so, where would you kind of rank Shang Chi just in terms of origin movies with the MCU and then MCU films uh, overall? Uh, origin movies, I'd say it's uh, probably one of the stronger ones uh, overall in the MCU. Uh, for me, it's in my top five. Mm, in your top five, okay, all right. Um, all right, so. Moving on from eighth to my seventh pick here, I'm going to go with Candyman. Um, and Candyman, for me, a lot of people say, like, well, I don't know, that movie wasn't that good. Well, it was good to me, bitch, and I'm putting it on my list um, <laughs> as one of some of the best movie of the year for me so yeah, far. Why you got so many? Uh, and Damn, I thought we were doing, like, five. I didn't know we had, like, eight or fucking whatever. 
Uh, well, I was doing, uh, I was trying to do like half of 10. I, like, I was trying to maybe go to five, but then I was like, okay, well, I want, then you had like the honorable mentions on yours, and then I was like, okay, well, I might as well just do like eight or something like that. Um, so for yeah, but me, my honorable mentions aren't in my top 10, though. Um, true, but yeah, so I guess this is just kind of like, you know, a little bit of my top 10 for now. I guess top eight right now. Fucking cheating. Yeah. Fucking cheating. Um, so for me, um, here this uh, Nia DaCosta directed film, Candyman, uh, kind of a spiritual sequel to the 1992 Candyman. I know a lot of people had issues with this, and I, I hear a lot of the criticisms people had with the film, and I agree with some of the criticisms that people had, um, just in terms of some of the, the plot holes and some of the kind of logic in it and where things went. And so I, I, I kind of share, uh, kind of, uh, I, I completely understand why a lot of people kind of had issues with it. For me, I think what was really great about it for me is I think. You know, a lot of the uh, kind of, you know, allegories in it, the metaphors in it, um, you know, Jenna uh, and Reese, they came on here, they talked about it very well of, you know, I think the element of their uh, being about gentrification, things like that. I mean, I think, yes, that's very much there. That's very prominent. Um, but I also think the element there that is also really good is it, it, it about talking to black people and, you know, black people's kind of role in kind of the commodification of, you know, their own culture and how that can be used and sold as well and, you know, how that's kind of been made for profit now. And so I, I think that also kind of had a, a, a kind of that message was hugely prominent in, there and well. I thought that was very, very good and you don't really see much of kind of in movies there. So I thought that was kind of very effective. Um, and then some complaints I hear about it of like, well, Tony Todd wasn't in it or, um, you know, you can't have Candyman without... Tony Todd in it. And I get Tony Todd was a big impact on it. I think maybe it would have been better just to keep Tony Todd there and, and instead of like having this other character who was this other Candyman-like figure. But the way they set that up was supposed to, you know, kind of symbolize how like there's all these different Candyman of I think you know generational trauma and how like that you know there's always kind of a different Candyman mm -hmm. for the generations in there um, and things like that. Yeah, so even in the because unfortunately, I, because of the release schedule, I haven't been able to see the movie yet. But even in clips that you've seen of Candyman, they, the biggest thing I took away is that, like that clip of Coleman Domingo talking about, it's like Candyman to me. It's about what this, uh, what this entity, this urban legend is to different people, and kind of illustrating that. Because I know they they do like the shadow puppets dialogue, and I know there's one about uh, Helen from the original movie. Yeah, yeah, and the shadow puppets. I thought that was a very cool use of story technique they do in the movie, uh, with the whole kind of shadow puppets and the way they kind of tell those stories. I thought that was kind of really cool. They brought kind of this uh, artist on to the film to do these kind of shadow puppet things to tell the story, which I thought was very cool. Uh, but Nick, what about you? What is your next pick? Okay, so uh, so my next pick is uh, one of my honorable mentions, uh, and I'm kind of cheating here, but I dug the absolute fuck out of the Fear Street tree. Uh, to me, uh, uh, I almost rank them as like one complete story because you can't really tell one without the other. Um, I think the first two, all three movies, they pay such loving tribute to each of their own little uh, subgenres of horror that I, I, I really enjoyed it. It reminded me of everything that went wrong after Scream came out in the in the early nineties. Everything that went wrong with horror and. I appreciated how um, mean-spirited the movies got, how they weren't shying away from killing kids. And especially in part three, I really loved how uh, emotional and uh, how the film nearly brought me to tears at some point. Mm. Mm. 
Um, yeah, um, you know, the Finisher Trilogy, we uh, have the review up of it uh, on our uh, YouTube channel right there. Also, wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, all that good stuff. Uh, yeah, uh, this is based on the uh, best-selling novel from R.L. Stein. Um, and this um, definitely doesn't give a fuck about the kids, so that's for sure. It has no problem uh, murdering a lot <laughs> yeah. of kids. Part, yeah, part two is fuck them kids the movie. Yeah, so... Uh, definitely, it, it definitely the violence is cranked up in this to kids a lot. Uh, Dusk, did you get a chance to check out the Fear Street trilogy? I did. Uh, how'd you like it? I had a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been a while since we've had a fun horror slasher movie. I, I think yeah. at least one that's gotten this much attention. I yeah, think not since like to... Happy Death Day. Mm, yeah, since like yeah. Happy Death Day and then the sequel, which the sequel went. Full camp. <laughs> yeah, it went full camp, but in a way, I appreciate it. I yeah, think no, it just these, like... these three movies, I think they balance the camp and the yeah. kind of edgy tone a little yeah. bit better. If you don't laugh at her trying to end one of the days by her just running head first into a <laughs> wood chipper, you're like, all right, we're just not in the mood for this one. You come back later. <laughs> Mm. That's just the tone real well at that point. She's like, God damn it, all over this again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it kind of reminded me of that. But yeah, they're like, screw these kids. But I had a lot of fun. I had fun with that. And it, it's not bad. Not bad at all. I was really, I had some good fun on that. And it's been a while. You're right, Nick. It's been a while since we had just a, just a fun slasher movie since the, those um, Happy Death Day. Yeah. Especially- which was a nice surprise at the time. Yeah, especially one that's kind of gotten the the premier treatment from yeah. from a company like Netflix because they released all three movies like one week apart, back to back to back. Which was smart. It mm. gave you enough time to like, all right, I can pick this out. Cool. And then, oh, the next one's coming out next week. Ooh, I can't wait. And then <laughs> the third one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I enjoyed them. Um, you know, a lot of it is very reminiscent of, you know, things like Friday the 13th, things like Scream, you know, throwback to, you know, those type of horror movies, um, you know, and uh, kind of those element. And I think it was a fun watch. And like I said, Spacing Them Out was pretty nice. Like people anticipated those movies, which was pretty good. Um, and yeah, I mean, definitely the violence in it is, you know, really something to see. You know, it reminds of kind of those fun kind of slash effects. Um, thank you. Yeah, uh, they don't, they don't uh, hold my back. Uh, Jim and Good for the 30 bits there. Thank you, man. Uh, appreciate you coming in with the 30 bits there. Thanks, man. Thanks a lot. Um, okay, so moving on from Nick's pick there. I'm going to move on to my sixth pick. Uh, six pick. Uh, for me, it is Nobody, uh, the Bob Odenkirk film. Mm-hmm. Um, it's okay. you know his action film here, kind of his John Wick in a sense. Um, very impressed much by uh, Bob Odenkirk. I mean, the man is in his... I forgot it came out this year. Yeah, um, he's in his 60s now, uh, I believe. In, yeah, because uh, he, he went to the oh, hospital yeah. for a bit. That's why. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he had a heart attack on yeah, we talked about oh, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thankfully, right. he's uh, he's okay. He's back to yeah, work. That's good. Yeah, he's close to being in his sixties. He's fifty eight years old. Um, and this one, you know, he was one of those cases where the actor, you know, really, you know, got in shape. Um, you know, really did a lot of the stunt work himself. You know, himself, and mm-hmm. you know, really, you know, worked on it and everything like that. And you know, it's you know, smaller type movie. You know, simple story, everything like that, and but it's effective. Um, it's effective in its action, and it's effective in its storytelling. It's not trying to do too much. Um, it's just trying to be, you mm-hmm. know, something kind of 
there and something kind of simple for you to you know and enjoy uh which i appreciate and the execution of it is excellent um and everything it does um so yeah i was oh, very very abs- much impressed by it absolutely yeah i'm i'm amazed with nobody about how it was how uh brutal and uh how brutal it gets with its action but still maintaining that kind of absurdist tone mm-hmm. well some in some respects being a little more realistic than something like john wick because mm-hmm. the biggest thing about this movie is the first punch that's thrown, Bob Bonegert gets his ass kicked a lot in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing about like one of the criticisms I had of John Wick. It was uh, the fact that he's been retired for X amount of years, and then it's like he hasn't missed a step. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's that one is more like he's like a myth, and he's done mm. so many things where he's he's just uh, so just it, it's so natural to him that it was such a restraint to pull back and he didn't want anything to do with it and uh but yeah no i, I completely understand your point and it does feel way more weird way way is nobody <laughs> realistic where it's like he gets punched he gets beat the crap out of him and it shows every scar every bruise every beat up but it gives just as much back Oh yeah, this is this is closer in tone to I think the first Die Hard, something like John Wick. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, Nick, what about you? What is your next pick? Okay, my next uh, pick is one of my honorable mentions, and I'm probably gonna get shit from a lot of my friends for this, but it's Justice. Mm. Oh, Justice League. Uh, yeah, I liked I liked the Snyder cut. Deal with it. Uh, I think the movie uh, we talked about it in the review, it's rare that you get a movie that is 100% the voice of that director, especially with the shit show that was the original uh, uh, the, the original theatrical release. That movie is nigh unwatchable. Uh, this, for it being four hours long, I, I barely noticed the pace, really. There is a lot of fat to trim there, but none of it really bothered. I was more amazed that this movie got released in the way that it did. Um, I think the characterization, it's so much more improved. Uh, Characters like Steppenwolf, Cyborg, Barry Allen, they actually get to, you know, have fully realized arcs in this film. And watching this, it kind of opens up the question of what if? Uh, What if this, what if a releasable version of this came out back in 2017 when it was meant to? Hmm. Yeah. Um, actually, confession, I have yet to see Zack Snyder's Justice League. I have not seen that movie yet, uh, so I can't really give my <laughs> comment on it. Uh, Dust, what about you, man? Have you seen it? Uh, I have seen it. Uh, good news for you. Uh, there are chapters. So you take <laughs> break. It, it's, uh, yeah, it, like if you look on the scroll on HBO, it's like uh, they have uh, chapter markings on it. So you can, uh, take a, you can take breaks, which is kind of uh, how I watched it the first time. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Honestly, back then they could have just released a two, a part two, like yeah. they could have split it in half and released it as was. Regardless of how you feel about the movie, uh, mm. personally, I'm not going to get into that or at all. Not that I dislike the movie or whatever. That doesn't matter. Mm. Yeah. I will come. I will commend on it just being that's Zack Snyder's vision, and he tried to do it with the, what he had, despite the screwed up situation, what the studio did to him, and uh, I do commend him on that. I do respect that the artist got to finish his vision. Mm. So uh, kudos to that. I I don't I wouldn't have put it as top, but hey, man, 
that's your pick. Yeah, it, it's, yeah, that's why even I say it's an honorable mention for me. That's fine. Yeah, no problem, man. J- mm-hmm. Just the effort alone and the precedence that it sets of yeah. It. Hey, man, I wanted to put my work, regardless how you feel about it, regardless of how some people might not be a fan of it, I want to do it. Let me yeah, have my blanche. Yeah, and also for for me, it's kind of a... Um, the Zack Snyder, the Snyder Cut, uh, for even on this show, it was like a punchline for pretty much every single week of, as more and more news came out about it up until the release date. And one of my favorite things as a critic is eating my words. Sure. Yeah. Because I was not expecting the movie to be like even coherent, but fuck, the guy pulled it off. Yeah, Matt props to at least for him to make a coherent esque story mm-hmm. from and what he had available. Mm-hmm. But uh, moving on, uh, Josh, mm-hmm. what is your next pick? Uh, so okay, so for me, my fifth pick is going to be the Mitchells versus the Machines, the Sony animated film mm. that is on Netflix. Everybody can watch if you have Netflix right now. I'm going to bring that up. Um, yeah, uh, very nice film, very funny, uh, very very well done, uh, very humorous. Um, this film was directed by who directed this film again? Oh, I just completely forgot. I think it was uh, it, it, it was directed by uh, I can't remember the name, but I know he was one. Fall. I'm sorry. You and the uh, film is. Uh, you kind of cut uh, out there. Nick. I I don't remember the. Oh, sorry. Uh, I don't remember the. Oh, it's uh directed by Michael Rianda, Jeff Rowe. Uh, Rianda, he was a writer and uh, animator on uh, Gravity Falls. Uh, Jeff Rowe, he's worked on uh, Gravity Falls, Disenchantment. Hmm. And yeah. all and the film is uh written and co-produced by uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller and i think the movie it balances that uh that st- that sense of humor that um that they are so well known for oh very much so yeah you know it's it's you know it's clever you know without being too on the nose um you know the kind of <laughs> story of it you know this you know kind of this apocalypse happened with the kind of technology taking over um, and it does the whole kind of message about like yeah technology and too many people on their phones and things like that but it also kind of comes back around to also talking about the positives of it and the good nature of it and you know kind of I mean what it can do actually that can be beneficial and not people just you know you know watching porn and, and sharing memes like it can yeah. you know, actually be kind of this cool <laughs> thing that people used to be it's also nice to see a family act like a family oh yes absolutely like because, the brother and sister characters. Sorry, I'm uh, sorry. I'll let you finish, Nick. Yeah, uh, yeah. Especially because with so many family films, like the def- the Hollywood default is just to make everybody hate and just yeah. constantly bicker to the point of just being yeah. annoying. This movie goes the opposite route. Yeah. Like the mother and brother and sister give each other crap, but it's very much look what siblings would do, and they still mm. do care about each other. That's never yeah. not the problem. Yeah, e- even the dad who, um, in any other movie, dad would be portrayed as the asshole trying to take his daughter on this road trip, but they drop that so quickly, and it ends up becoming a real wholesome point between uh, uh, the daughter, who who's uh, a- uh, Katie Mitchell, who's voiced by Abby Jacobson, and her dad, who's voiced by Danny McBride. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great work from the voice cast, you know, like Maya Rudolph. Uh, Dan McBride, uh, Abby Jackson, uh, Eric Andre, Fred Armisen. I mean, real, yeah, really, really great 
kind of all-star cast all the way through, up and down, and, and they do a really great job with the voices and very humorous, very funny. Uh, highly recommend you check it out. Um, it's kind of one of the better, um, you know, animated movies uh, I've seen this year, really, yeah. Um, very, very nice one. Uh, Nick? Okay, uh, my next pick, uh, we kind of did my number five, so my number six is going to be Werewolf. Uh, this is the... This is uh, the second film of Josh Rubin, who directed one of my favorite movies last year in Scare Me. Uh, this takes a more uh, whodunit murder mystery approach to a werewolf story. And it's oh, about yeah. kind of how, um, how people in times of crisis end up turning on each other. It reminded me a lot of stuff like Knives Out or Clue or Murder on the Orient Express. But with kind of that sense of humor that Josh Rubin uh, from Scare Me is known for, and even to a certain extent, his stuff on college humor. Um, I think it's carried by a wonderful, charming lead performance from Sam Richardson and his chemistry with uh, Milana Weintraub, who uh, y'all know as the AT&T girl, is wonderful. And they have one of my probably one of my favorite on-screen dynamics ever. I'm still pissed at Ike Perlmutter for canceling... Uh, uh, Marvel uh, canceling her show uh, where she plays Squirrel Girl. So mm. that's my daily fuck you, Ike Perlmutter. Yeah. Um, also has Aya Cash in it. Uh, from you know, people know she was the Nazi. Uh, in... No, she's no, she's 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 not in this. Uh, oh, she's, she's not in Werewolves Within. Oh, she's not in Werewolves Within. Oh, okay. Sorry no, about... she is now. Oh, sorry about that. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> my bad. I thought she was. Um, so with this movie right here, um. I didn't get a chance to see it at all because I think you guys reviewed this when I was out, correct? Or maybe you uh, were... I, th I, I think you were either out. or I think the week was just so packed that you you didn't have time to fit that in. Oh, I think yeah, it was the week was packed. And I had to see some other stuff. Yeah, I think yeah, that was probably what it was. Um, yeah, I've been meaning to check this out. Yeah, we gave Josh Rubin a lot of praise with Scare Me. Um, you know, very much so. And I remember he even liked it, a tweet of ours uh, where we, we complimented it. Um, so, yeah, shout out to <laughs> us. Yeah, uh, shout out to Josh Rubin uh, for doing that. Um, yeah, but, you know, he's he knows what to do with a small budget, uh, very effective stuff. Uh, really enjoy Scare Me. Um, I really want to check out where it was within. Yeah, I really want to check it out. Yeah, it sounds very interesting. Yeah, it's one of my favorites of the year. Yeah. Uh, Griff. Uh, thank you for the uh, follow there, Griff. Griff, I know she's uh, Griff is part of the community um, with the Twitch community that I know with part of like Riles and uh, Chaco Thunder. Um, they're all streamers there, and they do a pretty good job. Um, yeah, I've been following them and joining their Discord, being a part of that community. So it's actually nice. yeah, so it's actually pretty awesome. Um, you know what I mean? They're pretty good, and I'm, I'm doing pretty good, Griff. Um, we're just kind of closing in on the end of the stream. We're doing our uh, best of the um, of, of kind of the year so far, uh, kind of wrapping up with that. Um, and also Chaco's here. Hello, Chaco. Yeah, Chaco was the guy I just mentioned there. He's also a very good streamer. Uh, streams very well. Um, yeah, that that whole community yeah, is really good. They've been really really nice to me, ingratiating me into the community, their Discord, everything like that. Um, so it's been nice. Yeah, I've been following them all also on all the socials. They're also on TikTok. Um, they're also on Instagram. I've uh, been checking them out as well. So, yeah, they're all good, good people, good people. I um, highly recommend following them, uh, giving them some love. Um, and also, so, uh, to me, moving on to me. Oh, here, uh, oh real quick, uh, my, my girlfriend uh, just followed the stream. Uh, thanks, babe. Love you. Oh, on, uh, oh, nice. So, thanks. A shout out to um, uh, Nick's girl there. 
Um, Nick's girl is finally giving him some support, finally showing him some love. Uh, there you go. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? <laughs> like we've been doing this show for at least, at least we did. Yeah, I think um, almost to a couple weeks ago marked one year. Oh, one year anniversary! Congratulations! Yeah, yeah, one year since uh, I joined the show. Oh, and my girlfriend finally gave us a follow. Oh, I thought you nice. meant one year anniversary of you. Oh, one year since you've been joining the show, and she finally followed. Right? Oh, okay. <laughs> Uh yeah, <laughs> yeah. She finally understand. I guess if he isn't gonna give up this shit, I might as well just follow him. You know what I mean? Maybe he'll give me a shout out. You know, thought this was a hobby. Yeah. So yeah, shout out. Yeah, shout out to your girl. Uh, Kofi uh, is also in here as well. I follow him on Instagram. Koki, what's up? Dude? Yeah, Koki's in. Yeah, hey, shout out to him as well. I follow him on Instagram. Good stuff on Instagram. He's part of the DT community um, as well, and he's an awesome guy. Uh, he puts up a lot of creative stuff on his uh, Instagram there. Um, yeah, so it's pretty nice. Yeah, I hang out with... Yeah, Koki's uh, here in Japan. I hang out with the guy. Oh, you hang out with him? Oh, okay. Well, we should... We should. Yeah, yeah he came yeah, he came over last week and we watched Karen. Oh, okay. Well, damn, he should have been on the review, man. I didn't know that. Well, hey, Koki, <laughs> hey, come on, man. Since you're already in Japan, you and Nick, you can share that nice mic he's got. He's got a Yeti. Um, you know what I mean? That, that, that expensive-ass microphone. You know what I mean, and so yeah, yeah, even got yeah, even paid for a pop filter on there. Oh, nice, yeah. So yeah, so yeah, Koki, hey, drop by, man. Since you're already in Japan, two people, you know, doing the whole dude thing, duo thing, that'd be nice, man. I'd love to have you on. <laughs> um, all right, so for me, uh, moving on there. Um, does she? Does your girl know that we got the little bubbles emote there that she can use? Uh, I don't know, but let me see if she yeah. can see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, got the nice little bubbles emote. Yeah. Oh, oh, Koki, Koki, just wait, just wait. Um, <laughs> Koki's yeah. saying, uh, "Shocked Karen wasn't on both your lists." We're not there yet. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it's got the nice little kind of bubbles emote. Got those kind of nice little emotes that you can use there. Um, in the chat, designed by Jenny Liano. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, very nice. Um, and if you uh look on like. Usually, uh, Nick's girl stir is it's nothing but bubbles. It's just bubbles twenty four seven, all bubbles content. Yeah, just showing bubbles. Yeah, it's, yeah, very much so. Very very cute dog. Um, all right, so for me, uh, what number am I on here? So I'm on number four. So number my number four uh, movie of the year for me is Quiet Place Part Two. So Quiet Place Part Two um, surprised me a lot. Um, it is. The sequel to, of course, The First Quiet Place, directed by John Krasinski. Here he comes back again. Uh, him and Emily Blunt, uh, he's directing it. Emily Blunt starring in it this time. Um, very surprised me very much so. Why? Because mostly with horror movies, you don't really get a good sequel. Um, you know what I mean? Usually it's kind of a disappointment with horror sequels. Yeah. This one, I think, lived yeah, up to the expectation, if not exceeded it. Yeah, yeah usually with horror sequels, you get more. Uh, more the sense that this is just a cash grab. This is just, uh, hey, the first one made a lot of money in studios, kind of forcing a director to, hey, churn out another one of these fuckers. You know how much money we made? Keep it up. But with here, I'm surprised at how how much I enjoyed it. I think it's aided by a lot of the additional cast they brought in, like uh, Killian Murphy, who, um, who uh, everybody knows and loves uh, from stuff like the Bat Nolan Batman films, stuff like Peaky Blinders, uh, Jimon Hansu, who is uh, uh, in in basically everything. But I like the turn the story made. And I think it did fall back on a little 
a little too many of the post-apocalyptic tropes like other asshole survivor groups but i liked it how it was handled here yeah um and i like how it's kind of the daughter's movie more than you know even like mm. you know the emily blunt's movie like uh the daughter's played by uh, uh millicent uh simmons um and it's kind of becomes mm. a journey with her and killian murphy and i think that is like really great to watch because it's really kind of more her movie than 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 anything else and i think she does an excellent job mm-hmm. at, at really leading the movie um and yeah i mean when they when nick is nick mentioned mostly people just want to do a sequels cash grab and of course i mean you want to make i mean the first one exceeded expectations as far as how much money it made mm-hmm. due to its small budget and it really really did exceed expectations uh and of course they were going to do a sequel but with this one i felt like they really came in with a plan they really executed it very well, and I think it, you know it's a very very well done film that that I think is as good as the first one, if not better, um, which is kind of rare. Like I said, with a lot of horror sequels, uh, Dust, did you get a chance to check this yeah. out? I did not, unfortunately. Okay, but I did enjoy the first movie. Yeah, hmm, for what it, it was. Yeah, it, it's rare with just sequels in general that they come even close to being as good as the first movie. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so I yeah I really enjoyed it. the opening of it is is really good. I think John Krasinski. I'm eager to see what he does later in his directing career, given that he's done a very very good job with his directing in the first his first two feature films. So I'm eager to see what he does. Um, yeah, I think he's got a bright future. Yeah, I know that uh, part three's already announced, but he's not directing. I don't I don't believe so. Okay. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, but especially with uh, with how the first film opens, I'd be curious to see if he, he jumps to another genre or if he uh, sticks with uh, doing another horror film. Mm, I'd be interested as well, yeah. Um, the streak, I mean, you know, comedy guys in horror, Jordan Peele, John Krasinski, it's working out pretty well. You know, Danny McBride with Danny McBride and uh, David Gordon Green with the Halloween movies. Yeah, yeah. comedy guys, horror, some, some works well with it, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, man, Nick? <laughs> Okay, uh, uh, real quick before I get to my number four, my last honorable mention is going to be Vacation. Great and uh, John Cena. Um, it's just a movie that I would had no expectations and I'm surprised about how much I laughed and how much I enjoyed the film. It's wonderful. But my real number four is going to be uh, Batman Queen uh, Part 1 and 2. Um, the film, I think it has uh, an impossible task of adapting one of the great Batman stories with the long Halloween and the way they handled it, um, changing slight elements of it, but injecting so much heart and love into that story, especially with the, the voice talents of uh, Jensen Ackles playing Batman and uh, uh, Josh Dumel as Harvey, as Harvey Dent, doing uh, probably, for me, the, one of the best performances of uh, Josh Dumel's career and how they handled uh, Harvey Dent's trend eventual transformation into two-face it's a beautifully done tragedy mm, yes um did you get a chance to see this dusk I did how we did a review i did oh that's right yeah you're right you came in I... review. yeah all right you were on the review mm-hmm. yeah sorry about that yeah, yeah we talked about it uh um, yeah no i enjoyed part one and two um they've really nailed the the animated department of dc has nailed what at least that was kind of characteristics. Even the small changes from mm-hmm. the initial comic. It was just nice to see it in animated form and represented a well, barely at least well enough. Where you're like, okay, yeah, this is the story. And all right, these are the characters. And I did appreciate they split up in two parts. So you could tell the whole thing. Mm. 
Yeah, because the long Halloween that by its it's just a story that's so so long form, so intricate mm. and uh, so detailed that you need two separate movies in order to let it right. breathe. And to the point where the ending of part two, um, where it's like that iconic moment of uh, Dent turning himself in, it's heartbreaking almost. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I like this movie quite a bit. Uh, the animation style I liked a lot. Uh, Jason Eccles as Batman, I was a little shaky on, but I've come around a little bit more to him mm -hmm. as Batman. I think especially for a younger Batman, um, I think he does pretty well. Um, you know, great, good performance by Catwoman by the late Naya Rivera. I think she does a very good job as Catwoman. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so yeah, solid voice cast all around. Uh, you know, based off of one of the greatest comics ever written, one of the greatest stories kind of ever written, and Batman Along Halloween. Um, very good adaptation of the work. Uh, they definitely don't fumble the bag like they did with the killing joke here. Um, but yeah, <laughs> uh, so I, I very much so. I think it's, yeah, yep. very good film. Uh, yep, a great ad adaptation of Jeff Loeb's one hit wonder. Yeah. Um, Damn. All right, so uh, moving on to my third pick here. I have The Night House. Uh, the Night House is a film starring Rebecca Hall. Um, here, uh, Rebecca Hall. Um, and this kind of horror film, which I talked about, which um, did you get a chance to see this dusk at all or no? Oh, sorry. What was the title? Uh, the Night House. No, I wasn't able. I wasn't able to do so. Yeah, um, this is a very good horror film. I mean, I think this is one of the best horror films I've seen in the past few years. Um, very well done. Love the scares in this one, and I love how it builds the tension in it. Um, you know, you keep kind of it's one of those things that keeps building the tension and building the tension and you're waiting for the, uh, you know, kind of jump scare that you expect with a lot of these horror movies, but it doesn't go for the cheap jump scare. Like there's maybe, maybe one or two jump scares in it. Uh, but overall mm. it, it, it just keeps building that tension and, and, and building it and allows you to really be scared and really be tense throughout the whole film. And the creepiness of it is very effective. And, you know, and this, it's this great story about grief about, you know, cause it's, kind of a movie about this woman whose husband committed suicide and how she's kind of processing this grief and how this movie could be used mm. as like this allegory for you know kind of depression and like this thing that she's fighting mm. um after her husband's death and it's just very very well done i mean it's an amazing performance by rebecca hall um that uh, i i enjoy a lot um and just to see like the figure that's in this movie that that is you know you don't know kind of exactly what it is um, you know, the stuff they kind of do with this, like the silhouette outline of the figure is very well done. I mean, that, that really creeps the hell out of you a lot. Uh, that, that is very effective and just trying to figure out what is going on, the mystery of the film. Um, and I don't think it disappoints at all. Um, I love this film quite a bit. Um, a, a lot actually. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, this yeah, is I'm, one of my better movies of the year. Yeah. This, yeah, this is another movie that I'm sad isn't available to yet it's not in theaters and i'm still waiting to come to streaming uh but yeah just off your place this is one of my uh, most anticipated yeah uh uh so nick what about you man okay so um moving on my number three movie is this is the a24 film based on the, how, how long was the twitter thread it was like 180 tweets about oh. this uh about this uh, uh, uh stripper who goes down on a so-called a hoeing trip to South Florida. And I kind of don't want to give away any more because the turns this movie takes are, it's some wild shit that you would believe, that most people would probably say, you made this shit up, but you got to realize 
This is Florida. Mm. Yeah. People forget that Florida. Uh-huh. And amazing performance from uh, the lead actress, uh, um, uh, Taylor Page, I think is uh, her name. Yep. Taylor Page. Oh, yeah. Taylor Page, a wonderful performance from her. Great. Uh, uh, one of the most uncomfortable performances from uh, Riley Keough, but I could never look away. And Coleman Domingo once again proving why he is the shit. Yeah, yeah great year for Coleman Domingo. Yeah, Zola, uh, Candyman, uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Uh, I mean, that we, we're going to forget he was in that Michael B. Jordan, Tom Clancy movie. Uh, he wasn't really in all that much. We're just going to forget that. But um, What are you talking about? Yeah. Um, and I think most people already have. Mo- most people forgot that movie already. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, those who just blanked that movie out of their existence. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I love this movie. Um, I thought it was really great. Um, you know, you know, you also got like you know, kind of the supporting characters on this, like Nicholas Braun who plays Derek, who's like the simp of the Riley uh, Keough character here. Um, he's very funny. I mean, he's really good. Uh, Cole Domingo is really great. Uh, you also have Jason Mitchell in here who's also really good as well, who plays like a small-time uh, gangster in Florida. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the movie, I mean, you know, based off this Twitter thread, this kind of, you know, fascinating story that would have happened to this woman, uh, Taylor Page, who's the actress in it, who's portraying uh, the woman based off the Twitter thread. Yeah, I mean, it's it's some crazy stuff, and I highly recommend people check it out. Um, you know, if you kind of love kind of that crazy real life type of storytelling, uh, then yeah, I mean, very, very kind of surreal, a lot of this stuff. So it's like, you know, only, only could happen from an A24 film and it being in Florida, most definitely. Um, (laughs) um, all right. So moving on to my second pick here, I am going to go with. Judas and the Black Messiah. Uh, Judas and the Black Messiah um, was the film <clears throat> starring Daniel Kaluuya. Daniel Kaluuya, people know from Get Out fame. Um, you also have Lakeith Stanfield um, in this film as well. It's all about uh, the leader of the Black Panther Party, uh, Fred Hampton, <clears throat> and to his eventual death, uh, led by the FBI. Um, this was, uh, well, you know, kind of an amazing film, um, all the way through, I think, you know, how they betrayed Fred Hampton, um, and the director kind of the film here, let me uh, make sure I get his name right, um, yeah, but just, oh, Shaka King, Shaka King, um, amazing performances throughout, um, you know, uh, you also have, uh, Fat Damon, Jesse Plemons in this, you know, know, great (laughs) actor, amazing actor here, um, and, you know, just the stuff they do of showing the Black Panther Party and, you know, uh, showing kind of all the different aspects of it, of, you know, kind of what they were trying to do as much as you can in a Hollywood film. Um, you know, they like to neuter and sanitize things, um, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and kind of very much kind of wash over, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, black radicalism and, and, and you know, kind of black revolutionaries, you know, in a, in a way sanitize them in a way like they did with kind of people like Martin Luther King. Um, to try to get you know, as much as you can the truth as much as you can out there um, in, in kind of a Hollywood film is is tough and Chaga King you know he talked about that um, you know like you know him saying like I've experienced a lot of racism in my life and I've never experienced probably as much racism as I have in, in just being in Hollywood um, so um, you know it's kind of difficult to kind of get these stories made so yeah it's it's amazing performances you know throughout the entire film 
uh, that, that really were very, very impressive. Uh, don't understand uh, nominating both Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield for Best Supporting Actor. That made absolutely zero sense uh, in the Academy, but uh, okay, whatever. But um, yes, uh, I mean, I highly this film is on HBO Max. Highly recommend people check it out. Highly recommend you read it. Uh, a lot by people like uh, Fred Hampton um, and you know you know black revolutionaries like that. Um, <laughs> very very stuff that if you read it, you know even though it was written you know 30, 40 plus years ago, uh, that it's still relevant very much today. Um, how did you think about it? Oh, I absolutely fucking adored this film. But I, it is uh, for me, it's a movie I I enjoyed, but it's also one. I don't know if I'm ever going to watch it again just because of how how uh, uncompromising, how uh, uh, brutal and tragic the story is. Uh, it, it, it's one that I admire it. I'm Kudos to Daniel Kaluuya for taking home the Oscar. He should have been nominated for uh, either him or Lakeith should have been nominated for a lead actor, but hey, man got his Oscar. Good. Two-time nominee and one-time winner. Yeah, yeah very good for him. Uh, Dusk? Uh, did you get a chance to check this out? Uh, Black Judas? Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's one of those movies where... Shoot, what was the... What was the movie beforehand? It was the one where, um... All these individuals were inside of a house. Oh, Detroit. Detroit. Thank you! It was, like, it reminded me of kind of like the Detroit where you really only watch that movie once. It's just yeah. It's it's like a Detroit or Twelve Year Slave. It's yeah. one that it's so uncompromising in uh, in uh, its portrayal of these events that it it gets hard to watch. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it's, it's yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't say it's as brutal um, as movies like no. that. No, um, but um, I only brought it, it more. It, 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 it's not as brutal, but it's just as as a uncompromising i would say especially considering that this is a hollywood film and how much hollywood likes to sanitize events like this yeah i mean fucking green book won best picture two years ago yeah yeah not that green book was like an awful or bad movie but i was just happy that i was just happy that bohemian rhapsody didn't win that year That's, yeah I, <laughs> it was it was just one of those years man <laughs> i don't want green to win i just want bohemian rhapsody to lose there you go Some, sometimes we all lose <laughs> yeah. uh, nick what about you okay um i kind of went back and forth a lot with my number two but um, just this week, my number two, it's going to be Mitchell's version of Machines. Um, for me, uh, my favorite genre, I, I love animated films. I think my, uh, number one last year was Soul. And this film, it just, it just does so many things that I adore. Uh, uh, just how creative is it, it is in its animation, how clever the humor is, how much of the jokes, uh, you end up missing on first viewing just because of how much you're laughing or uh, how much you miss little details in the background. Um, and it's rare that a movie that it's rare that the emotional beats of a movie hit so well that even on multiple viewings, I still end up in tears. And I especially did uh, the more they focused on the father daughter relationship in this film. And also it has one of my favorite roles from Maya Rudolph as a, uh, 
as the mom with the thinly veiled rage issues. Mm, yeah. Mm. Maya Moodle's been playing a lot of moms recently. She's been in quite a bit of some mom mm-hmm. roles recently. Yeah. yeah. It also doesn't hurt that uh, Katie Mitchell basically identical to a uh, friend of the show, Ashley Lynch, who's a, a very prominent on Twitter and uh, and a good friend uh, uh, of mine. Mm. I mean, we often joke that this movie is basically uh, you you cut out there, Nick. What'd you say? That Katie Mitchell reminds me a lot of friend of the show uh, and a friend of the junk food cinema community, uh, Ashley Lynch. Oh, okay, yeah, mm, okay, uh, yeah. I mean, like I said, I mean, it was on my list. I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was really fun. Um, you know, it, it kind of you know has that kind of great humor in it. Uh, you know, very much you'll very much know from people like Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Uh, that is very clever, that is very funny, that's not, you know, that knows how to use pop culture very well and really knows how to really get mm-hmm. poke fun at pop culture, not just reference it and not just mention it. Yeah, but um, it, po- poking pop cult- poking fun at pop culture and using the kind of uh, fear of technology trope, but never doing it in a preachy way. Yeah. Uh, all right. So moving on from that. And for my number one pick, I'm going to go with a movie that Nick already mentioned before. Um, Zola. Um, I think Zola is a lot of fun. I think it's funny. I think it's dark. I think, you know, it's the perfect thing I love to watch. Um, you know, I love to, you know, watch things like Uncut Gems, Good Time. Good Time, I think, is one of my favorite movies in the past 10 years. Um, I love, absolutely love that movie. Adore that movie a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I think this a Good Time and Uncut Gems, that's like the blood pressure trilogy. That's like how you just raise your fucking. <laughs> blood pressure and just end up just not being able to breathe for like however long that marathon would be yeah um yeah i mean it's 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 definitely yeah i mean uh, like this movie they're watching the whole journey so it's best to know as little as you can going into it uh because i didn't i knew it was based off a twitter thread but i didn't know the whole story going into it so it's very nice just mm-hmm. kind of watching the whole movie unfold and where it's going to go and how it's going to lead to uh, which was very good. Um, Javon said it, it, like he didn't know Lizzo. Lizzo's not in this movie. Uh, maybe you're thinking about that one stripper chick uh, that they go. That, that's the uh, that's the uh, that's Hustlers, the stripper movie with uh, with Jennifer Lopez. Also, also a very good movie. Yeah, yeah, which I enjoyed. Yeah, Hustlers, I thought yeah, enjoyed it with uh, that was in there. But that no, that's not Lizzo in this uh, this movie at all. Um, so yeah, yeah, very very good movie. Yeah, I love it a lot. Um, <laughs> I recommend anybody check it out. Um, Nick, you're number one. Okay, so uh, my number one movie, um, it's a movie I had a lot of debate with, but it is Karen. Ah, Karen, huh? <laughs> yep, it's a movie that I think um, does a great job at... <laughs> Fuck, I'm sorry, I can, can't do it with a straight face. I'm just fucking with you. Uh, my number one is absolutely Suicide Squad. Mm, suicide Squad. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it, it's a movie that... Um, I knew it. I I knew and deep down hope that this was going to be good. I thought it's a perfect mix of subject matter and director with James Gunn doing this book. And what we ended up getting is my absolute favorite DC Comics film, and arguably one of the best comic book films of the last, uh, I'd say, the last five years. It's a movie that uh, knows its source material. It plays around with different tones. It gets to that absurdist level of violence, but it always is deeply rooted in its characters. 
it's why uh it's why stuff like uh like a um excuse me like doom patrol or stuff like legion uh works so well it it keeps all of the absurd stuff grounded with its characters on top of one of the best performances i think of the year john cena as peacemaker and especially in in um his last big role in uh, F9, where he was kind of like more stoic, he didn't get to really play with a lot of emotion. He gave Peacemaker some real depth. I don't know what it is, but James Gunn seems to be the fucking WWE whisperer. You I mean, actually get great performances out of him and uh, Dave Bautista. Uh, it balances the uh, it balances the comic tone, this cuteness with characters like uh, Nanawe and Sebastian the Rat, while also making them hyper violent and. This is a movie that I truly did not know was going to make the end, hmm. which is rare for a comic book movie, especially with how much uh, how much of the culture of comic book films is about like breaking down, analyzing every little little detail of the trailers, and even and the biggest thing about it, the main antagonist it did not go over the level of the team needed. It didn't. The mission didn't outreach their grasp. It's not like they're sent to deal with fucking dark side or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Dusk, uh, did you get a chance to check it out? I have not as of yet. Mm. Okay, but it is on my radar. It, uh, I absolutely adored this film. I think this is few that I that I gave a ten out of ten to. It's a movie that. I'm no shit have watched and rewatched no more than 15 times since the movie has come on HBO Max. Wow. And oh. will 100% be buying that fucking uh, gorgeous Steelbook 4K when it releases. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I-, I wanted to see it again. I know it's on HBO Max, but I also wanted to check it out in the theater, you know, support it there because it did mm. not have a good theatrical run. Um, uh, you know, I think a lot of things. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, it- it's tragic, but goddamn. Yeah, um, and that had a lot to do with a lot of stuff, like we mentioned, pandemic, also simultaneous release mm-hmm. with it being on HBO Max. Also, it had a yeah. bad previous and, movie, uh, you know. So. Yeah, uh, it had the stink of uh, of David Ayer's movie, and thank God, the biggest thing about this movie, it shut up the fucking release, the Ayer cut movement. Thank God. Um, I still see that online. I still see the whole kind of release, the Ayer cut stuff. <laughs> yeah, uh, but then, then pages from the script leaked, and then they said... Oh no! <laughs> okay, I didn't. I didn't see pages of script, so I gotta check that out. Uh, but yeah, they I'm, are awful. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it makes sense. James Gunn. Uh, James Gunn. Um, you know, he did a Suicide Squad movie. I mean, Forty and Slip. Yeah, Forty and Slip. There, yeah, because yeah, James Gunn made me <laughs> made me come with this. I guess. Um. So, <laughs> um uh. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it makes sense that why he did it. I mean, you know, he did a great job with Guardians of the Galaxy, a team movie. Here he gets a chance to do another team movie with DC, um, and it works perfectly. His a style team movie where a team movie where they uh, they let him off the they let him off his chain. Yeah, they uh, said, okay, make this exactly how you want to make it. it. It's a movie that, like uh, uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, it's a movie that is one hundred percent the vision of this director. Yeah, I mean, it really feels like that, you know, to me, his humor, uh, sensibilities, you know, the, the action, the, the kind of the gore uh, that we kind of known from him, from things like Slither or Super, 
Um, yeah, I mean, it feels very much like a James Gunn movie, and I think, you know, that was very much, you know, kind of what you can expect and why people were so excited for him to be added to the project in the first place. Um, so, it, I mean, yeah, I mean, it is very, very good, and I did enjoy it a lot. Um, you know, thinking about the comic book movies that have been released so far this year, it's probably my favorite one, I would say. I think it's the best one so far mm-hmm. released this year. Um, and, yeah, uh, definitely had a great time watching it. Great performances from everybody involved. Joe Kinnaman. I think a lot of the characters who were in the previous movies, I think they do a better job here than they hey, did, hey, did in the last one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Joel, Joel Kinnaman, he, uh, he uh, dropped the Proud Boy aesthetic, grew, grew out his hair, and got a personality while he had it, too. Yeah. Yeah, so I think, yeah, it's definitely much of an upgrade from the last one. You mentioned John Cena's Peacemaker. Really great, really funny character. Um, really great what they did with him. Uh, Polka Dot Man. Loved Polka Dot Man. I uh, thought he was great. Uh, David uh, uh, Dushman. Um, he did a very great job. Uh, David Dasmalchian. Oh, Dasmalchian. Did a very, very great mm-hmm. job as well as Polka Dot Man. Uh, uh, Dan- Daniela Melchior as a rat catcher, a star making performance from her. Yeah, um, she's blowing up. Um, I couldn't pose with that many rats as she does. I see her on Instagram, I see her on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, her touching them rats, that's a no go. Um, gotta drop them rats. Uh, you know, don't like that. But uh, Wait, come on, Sebastian was cute. Nah, um, I'm good with the rats. I'm not okay. I'm like, I'm, <laughs> I'm interested Elba. I'm Bloodsport. I'm like, I'm not good with the rats there. And great performed by Idris Elba's Bloodsport. Um, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, he was very cool in that movie. So yeah, uh, very, very impressed by it. Um, so that is it, people. That is our best uh, so far um, of the year. Uh, we'll probably do a best of list complete uh, price December, um, towards the end of December. Yeah, we'll... yeah around December, January, hopefully by I missed, uh, will have come on streaming and I can uh, amend my list as needed. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll do a final kind of wrap up with that, with the list and everything like that. Uh, but we are going to kind of head out of here, um, you know, signing off. Uh, Nick, where can people find you, man? All right, find me, Twitter, Instagram, at Night and... Uh, Josh, where can they find the, the rest of our stuff? Um... Okay. Um, Dusk, um, he doesn't really have anything. He likes to keep low-key, so he doesn't have any socials, anything like that. You know what I mean? He just pops up on the pod, you know, enjoying the vibes very much. And thanks for coming by, Dusk. Thanks a lot, man. Oh, of course. Uh, uh, oh, I wanted to let you know. So we just started a uh, Discord for those who uh, want to be outside of the main Discord. It is called uh, Afternoon After Hours Discord. I'm still working mm. on it. But hopefully it'll be a place where everyone owns Twitch can just hang out as guests and talk about whatever and just kind of chill and vibe and just you know just relaxed in between when we do stuff like this yeah everybody's got discords now um so i'm starting to get more into discord discord communities like i said um people like chaco people like griff um you know discord you know that's how i kind of got more of them learned them um you know kind of following them also from uh julia's stream um her name is riles ken on twitch um she does a really great job um as well streaming there um really great community to be a part of uh great that you know you guys all stopped by javon good great that you stopped by man um great that uh koki stopped by uh nick's girl finally showed him some support and love uh you know for, for for once um you know so shout out to her big ups to her very much so 
so yeah, um, yeah, very very great that you know you all stopped by. You all kind of had a chance to come by. Elijah from Back to the Topic podcast, check him out. Uh, he's also TikTok famous on TikTok, forty one k as he likes to mention. You know, on, on TikTok, so they follow him there. Uh, Back to the Topic podcast as well. Um, and uh, thank you, uh, thank you, Griff, so much. Uh, she said oh, we love having you in our streams. Yeah, I, I love being there. I think uh, guys do great work there. Um, drop some bits. I drop some bits when I can there. Um, sub when I can. Uh, gift a sub. So yeah, I mean they're a very very great community. Um, so where can you find us? Uh, the afternoon tune. Of course, we're on Twitch, right? Uh, Twitch.tv/slash afternoon tune. If you want to follow us there, do live streams every Friday, every Saturday. We're gonna do one uh, tomorrow, Saturday. We're gonna interview coming up with a artist that I know, a comic book artist. Uh, also, we're going to do reviews for two movies. We're going to do Car Counter, and we're going to do Kate, uh, the Netflix film starring uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. And the Car Counter film is starring Oscar Isaac and Tiffany Haddish. We're going to be streaming 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time uh, is when we're going to be streaming that. Okay. So make sure to check that out. And we're going to be doing a watch party um, as well that day. Uh, Amazon uh, Prime watch party on twitch we're going to be doing we're going to be watching zombies i've never seen that film before um so it'll be interesting to check out so we're going to be watching that saturday so we're going to be doing that probably i think 9 p.m central Standard time we're going to be doing the watch party there uh, um yeah yeah that yeah that works uh yeah, yeah i don't see the show tomorrow going the the main show going longer than like an hour yeah, so we're going to be doing Zumbies uh, Watch Party, um, 9 p.m. Central Standard Time as well. So we're going to be doing two streams uh, tomorrow. Make sure to check us out there. We're trying to get into more of the Watch Party stuff. Um, YouTube, uh, we are on YouTube as well. If you want to drop a sub there, uh, comment there. We're on YouTube at The Afternoon Tune. Uh, got recent review of Shang-Chi up there. Check out that review we did. Um, also had one yeah, guests. For, for, yeah, for all, for all you people that don't feel like scrolling through a three-hour show, we dropped a shorter version just for you. Uh, yeah, shorter version, a whole of an hour. Uh, we did a nice short <laughs> clip of where we talked about Shang-Chi. But, yeah, we had a lot to talk about with that movie. Um, we were, we, um, If you don't want to see us, um, if you just want to just kind of just listen, uh, we are also wherever you listen to podcasts. So we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, things like that. We drop the shows there as well. Um, also, we're also on the socials if you want to get in touch with us. Uh, Twitter.com, Afternoon Tune. We're also on Instagram at the Afternoon Tune. We're also on TikTok at the Afternoon Trying to get those TikTok followers up there, everything like that. We also, you can also send us an email at the Afternoon Tune at gmail.com if you have any questions or concerns like that. Send us an email. Um, also, to all, you know, all you good people out there, I'm glad you came by the stream very much so. Hey, come by, have some fun. Um, you know, watch us drop some of them emotes, the bubbles emote, uh, the Nick Nick's hair emote, chases a hater emote. Um, you know, share the love there. <laughs> um, level e- uh, lovely emotes made by Jenny Liano, uh, Jenny Liano from the Newness podcast, um, K pop lover, um, just all around amazing artist. Uh, so if you have a sh- if you have a Twitch channel, you want some emotes done. Uh, contact me um, through our various socials. I'll get in contact with Jenny Liano and Jenny Liano. I can make some emails for you. So, uh, to all you good people out there, hope you had a good time listening. And don't forget to always stay tuned. Stay Stay tuned. tuned.